4: So sit back, relax,
3: and remember, Southern Sense is common sense.
1: Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsoutherncents.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. All right. Welcome back to another adventure here with Annie Stop Screwing Up on Southern Sense. You're listening to us live on Block Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube. Oh, the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm the wash job, the radio chick, Annie.
5: No. Hello <laughs>
1: with my co-host, who's so patient and understanding, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Curtis, we're starting off on the right foot, aren't we? <laughs>
6: yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how I can um get on that um that defense team for Trump. You know, I mean, I wasn't in on the call, but the way I look at it, those people on the other side, they weren't in on the call either. So I should be able to defend I mean, my president. It
5: is-
1: it is such a, such a farce. I caught bits and pieces of it uh, today. Uh, I overslept today, guys. You know, Yes, <laughs> I need my beauty sleep. That's why I've got the perfect voice for radio. <laughs> I've got the perfect face oh, yeah. for radio, I should say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, Curtis, for agreeing. <laughs> You're a good pal. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and they had uh, the Ambassador Jovanovich on, and oh, my God, what a dick. I swear, she was an ambassador to another country representing the United States. She's a freaking whack job. She serves at the pleasure of the president. There's no guarantee that once he steps into office, she would still have that position. And yet he kept her there for a full two years later before he decided to replace her because he wasn't fulfilling his vision for our foreign policy. She doesn't make foreign policy. The president of the United States makes the foreign policy. It's not up to some diplomat or some staff member to make foreign policy for the United States of America. We elect the president to do that. And we choose the president because we agree with his or her foreign policy. Yes, it's a kick in the face to Hillary Clinton for that one anyway. Yeah. But- <laughs> And they're making such a big deal about him dismissing her and replacing him with an equally incompetent ambassador, Taylor. He realized his mistake. He yanked Taylor out because he said, this is a dimwit. I don't know if he actually said that. I'm just, I'm putting words in his mouth. Well,
6: the thing about it is this this woman, she was fired she was fired like 2 months before this this controversial phone call to the Ukraine. So it's it's like one of the Republican senators said today, you know, why is she here? It sounds more like a human resource issue. And it is. It has nothing to do with this, you know, this sham of an impeachment that's going on. She has no knowledge of that.
1: Not only that, she actively tried to stop the Biden investigation, the Barisma investigation. She actively tried to stifle it. She's an Obama appointee. And as Sasquatch says in the chat room, and I said this on air many times, the moment Trump went in office, any and every Obama appointee should have been shown the door. He took his time doing that because he wanted a smooth transition. But now, President Trump, listen to me well. If you got any Obama holdovers that you have the ability to dismiss and reappoint someone that will carry out your policies, this is time to do it. It's the deep state stabbing you in the back, Mr. President. And we, the people, want you to lead this country. So please, sir, it is time for the Obama holdovers to get the boot in the butt and get kicked out the door.
5: Well, as a matter too, fact, uh...
1: got two... Oh, I was gonna do that a little bit of lead in because we've got two people that are close to the Obama administration and I'm sure that they are listening now and they will heed our words because we the people I'm talking about not just as a voter, not just as a radio host, I'm talking about a member, an active member and precinct chair In the Republican Party, I'm talking as a person that is a delegate to our state convention. I am talking as a Tea Party founder. I speak for we the people. It is time these holdovers go. They're hurting you, sir. And we don't want to see that. We want to see this country go on the road to the fantastic prosperity Mm -hmm. that you are leading us to. They're hindering you, sir. And this has got to stop.
6: Well, as the White House put out this morning in defense of um, Trump's action with this woman, Obama, when he first got in there, he went about dismissing every um, appointee that um, Bush had made. He had no problems with that. And the left didn't say a thing. So, you know, I'm glad he was able to do that today.
1: Do you remember when Clinton took office? Every single typewriter and, and keyboard had the GWB removed from the keyboards. Do you remember that? Oh,
6: yeah.
1: And we were laughing about that. that.
6: And I remember yeah. how I think 500 so lawyers got dismissed. And, and yeah. You don't hear about it, that. It's,
1: it's time. It's time they go. Anyway, we've got ourselves a rocking and rolling show today. Um, we're starting off. We're welcoming back um, Jessie Jane Duff, Gunnery Sergeant, retired. Jessie Jane Duff. She's coming in as a spokesperson for the uh, RNC. Uh, she's also with Women for Trump, Veterans for Trump. She is a senior fellow at the uh, Center for Policy. I'm sorry, the London Center for Policy Policy Research. And um, we got that following up with uh, the pastor to the White House, and she's now in an interfaith faith, uh, position at the White House, uh, Pastor Paula white came. Uh We're following that up with a confidant and friend of the president, Bill Gennady, and we're closing out the show with two of your friends that are part of the 9/12 Project, as well as the Tea Party, Royal Brown and Glenda white I mean, we've got a rock and roll on the show. And I'm telling you, folks, you got to tune in every Friday on this show between 3 and 6 p.m. because we are booked through the end of the month already in advance. And I've got people looking at December, and it, it is one big hit after another. We've got Kim, uh, Kim Clayek, who's running for office um, in Maryland uh uh Oh, God, I just had a brain fart of the
6: congressman. And Burgess is always running for Congress, in. too.
1: <laughs> yeah, of uh, the congressman from Maryland, District 8, uh, that just passed away. Mm. Oh,
6: you, okay, I know, I know you're fart. talking about um, uh, classic, whatever her name is, um, Kim. I think Kim Clay, but I'm,
1: I'm trying to remember the name of the congressman that just passed oh, away. Oh, Thank Elijah you, Cummings. thank you, thank you. Brain fart. I got gray hairs. So I, I'm eligible to parade for it every now and then.
6: <laughs> yeah, he's going to run Well, his wife is yeah, uh, trying I... to run for his position, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an exciting race. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Nicole Milakis, who's running in Staten Island in over there. She's going to be on... Um, Good Lord, I can't even think about half the dozen people that we've got already coming on. But it, it's going to be an action-packed um, day today. So anyway, I'm battle- if you're watching on Facebook, I'm battling a kitten right now. <laughs> She's trying to climb on my lap. Uh, baby puppy, come on. Come on, come on, go back up. <laughs> anyway, this is live radio. You can't make it up. Anyway, folks, um, those that listen to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. Today's dedication is going to go out to two fallen heroes. It's going to go out to Sergeant Leandro Jasso, and also to multitask canine Mieko, who were killed on November 24th of last year while serving during Operation Freedoms Sentinel. And as I pull up the stuff, this is from... The Army Times, and it starts off. In the final hours of Army Ranger Sergeant Leandro Jasser's life, he breached a small building in the southwestern edge of Afghanistan and engaged the heavily barricaded Al-Qaeda fighters in close combat. Two of the enemy fighters were killed inside, but three attempted to flee only to be gunned down by the isolation element as they exited the compound. Jasso's element consolidated as they took stock of the roughly four-minute gunfight that yielded five enemy dead, recovered one M4 carbine with a thermal optic, three AK-47s, one PK machine gun, and multiple chest racks with magazines and assorted ammunition. The multi-purpose walking, working dog that breached the building alongside them was mortally wounded in exchange in the early hours of November 24, 2018. While clearing another building roughly an hour later, Jasso too would be mortally wounded by gunfire. This time, the shot came from a soldier with the Katakas An obscure but lethal Afghan partner force that accompanies rangers in direct action raids across the country, according to a copy of the internal investigation into his death. It was obtained by the Army Times through a Freedom of Information Act request. The investigation details a time-sensitive raid that included hasty mission planning to adjust the helicopter landing zone fleeing enemy fighters that proved difficult to track, and a strange scene in which the joint force tried to talk down a man in a large tree, even throwing a flashbang near him, only to find there was no man, just clothing items and a pair of shoes hanging below the branches. The person in the tree monetarily distracted the team while they were clearing a second structure. An enemy fire fighter armed with an AK 47 emerged from a small room protruding from the building to spray the Rangers. In the ensuing gunfight, several Katakan soldiers returned fire dangerously close to Jasso, who stood in a doorway approximately 10 to 12 feet from the enemy fighter. Jasso was a member of the 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment at a joint base, Lewis McCord, Washington. He was on his third deployment. His final raid came about 4 a.m. local time in the Kashra district, a place not often visited by enemy forces these days. Jasso, an enemy, I'm sorry, Jasso, an Afghan soldier, and another ranger were all wounded within 53 seconds of each other, prompting an immediate casualty evacuation He was pronounced dead less than half an hour after being airlifted to a treatment facility in Helmand Province. Photos included in the investigation showed that a single 5.56 mm bullet was pulled from the left side plate pouch of Jasso's body armor. There is no evidence that the KAA, the Khan soldier, premeditated or purposely killed Sergeant Jasso and there was no evidence specifically indicating which KKK soldier shot Sergeant Jasso. The investigating officer also wrote in his report, each of the Kaz soldiers denied shooting the Ranger. None of Jasso's actions on objective was found to be at fault in the death investigation. This is from Stripes. Earlier this year, Sergeant Leandro A.S. Jasso and some of his closest friends happened to be in their hometown at the same time and reunited at a bar. It was a special occasion. The 25-year-old Army Ranger was set to leave for his third deployment overseas. Fearing for his safety, during another long tour of duty, they asked him not to go, but it was to no avail. I knew he was doing what he loved, recalled longtime friend David Sorensen, 25. He always wanted to go and save people. In his short life, Lando left a deep, lasting impression in his hometown in central Washington State, friends and mentors said. Sorensen was stunned by the news. I couldn't believe it. He was invincible, he said. Nobody could touch Lando. Jassa was remembered in the small town of Leavenworth as a bright, funny, driven, and loving friend who made everyone feel special. At Cascade High School, where Jassa attended, a moment of silence was held in his honor. And at the fire hall across the street from the school, where Jassa's brother and several friends once worked, the flag was lowered to half-staff. It's heart-wrenching. Lando was an incredibly charismatic human being, and it's hard to imagine someone like that was gone, said Andrea Brixley, an English teacher at the high school. It's like you feel a hole open up inside of you that you didn't even know was there. He was a wonderful kid. And this is also from Stripes. A U.S. military working dog was killed during a recent clash in Afghanistan in which an American soldier also died, military officials confirmed, after the dog's unofficial biography began circulating on social media. Dog named Mieko and Sergeant Leandro A.S. Jasso, who was assigned to the 75th Ranger Regiment's 25th Battalion, whose death was previously reported were fatally wounded during a raid against al-Qaeda militants in the northern Nimrans province on November 24th. The seven-year-old dog was leading rangers into a compound where at least one militant fired at him, revealing the militant's position, which the rangers then targeted according to the biography of the dog. The actions of Mieko directly saved the life of his handler and of other rangers involved in the clearance. A spokesman for the 75th Ranger Regiment at Fort Benning, Georgia said, they were still trying to determine who released the unauthorized biography of the multipurpose canine, but said it was accurate. It was purported to be a photo of the Dutch born dog that was published on Facebook page. U.S. Army WTF moments. A representative of the site declined to say how they had gotten the materials. Jasso was not Mako's handler. Preliminary reports indicated that his death was caused by an Afghan forces who accidentally shot him during a close quarter firefight against one of multiple barricaded Al-Qaeda shooters. Like many of his human counterparts, Mieko had served multiple tours in Afghanistan, six in total, and conducted over 50 Ranger-led raids. He had the most training and combat experience of any dog with the battalion at the time of his death. Rest assured, Mieko never backed down from a fight with the enemy, training or combat. He embodied what it means to be a Ranger. While many dogs are trained for a specific task, multi-purpose canines like Mieko are highly skilled and must undergo a rigorous selection process like the rangers they assist. Mieko had been trained in patrolling, tracking, bomb detection and apprehension functions and had used these skills on several occasions including clearing buildings. Mieko, who had worked with the five Ranger handlers over his career, was remembered for his rock-solid consistency and forgiving nature. There was not a day that passed when he was not 100 percent committed to giving everything he had, regardless of how hot it was, how long the operation was, or how many buildings needed to be cleared. Mieko's loss is devastating. But the results of Mieko's willingness to operate without guard for his own well-being were tangible. It is an empty kennel. Husbands coming home to their wives, kids getting to see their fathers once more, and the rangers getting to live to fight another day. It was Mieko's task. Today's show is dedicated to Kenai Mieko's and to Sergeant Lando Leandro Jasso, is also dedicated to all of the brave men and women out there serving in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into its future. We also dedicate it to all the brave men and women that serve as our first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We can never say thank you enough. May God bless each and every one. And we dedicate to them this song by Todd Allen Harrington. My name is America. And we're back. You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star, Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Uh, also, you know, we're also up on uh, uh, Restream, and oh, interesting. My buddy, Joe Goldner, who happens to be sitting in the chat room on Blog Talk Radio, is running for sheriff in Broward County. And I know if Joe wins, he will be no coward from Broward. <laughs> so Joe, right. how is that for a pitch for you? <laughs> oh, man. Um, we've, like I said, Curtis, we've got a, a whopping show here going on today. and just waiting for Jesse to call in. Um, Jesse Jane Duff, uh, former Marine Gunnery Sergeant uh, is also up with um, Veterans for Trump, Women for Trump, and she's also a senior fellow at the London Center for Policy. And oh, my goodness, there's so much to talk about, Curtis. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy out yeah. there.
6: You you heard about uh, Roger Stone, right?
1: Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Roger Stone has been found guilty of all Seven Counts of the charges against him By a jury And um, It's a shame It is definitely a shame Uh, So um, I'm just Looking at some messages that are coming through With the (laughs) Through some people over here Anyway
6: Mm -hmm. um, And I just met the guy about a month ago
1: Yeah Roger had been a guest on the show A couple of times yeah, he he's been on the show a few times, and um, uh, I'm sorry to see that he got himself c- convicted. Uh, he is a flamboyant person, and unfortunately, I think uh, he kind of like shot himself in the foot uh, by being as flamboyant as he had as he has been. Uh, so I, I am I'm sorry to see that because he can face up to 20 years in uh, wow. prison for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Mm. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, um, I, I think one of the things he was hoping for was a pardon from Trump. And I and that's still may come. Yeah, it's a possibility. But, you know, you can't hang everything you have on just that because it puts Trump also in an, a precarious position. Here he is, is going through an impeachment hearing. Um, and is that the wisest thing to do at this point in time? His sentencing isn't until February. So we've got, I mean, trying to prognosticate this far in advance is kind of foolish, honestly. So, you know, anything can happen between now and February 20th when he goes for sentencing.
6: Well, what I'm thinking is that um, when Trump finishes second term, I think he'll pardon them just before he leaves. Then, I mean, he—he he What would he care, you know, about the repercussions of um, the, you know, left-wing media about it? You know, I mean, Obama. He pardoned quite a few people that were criminals, true criminals, <laughs> on the way out the door. Yeah. So I think he may wait to the and, very end.
1: And Bush did the same thing, honestly. Uh, He did the very same thing. You know, he waited until he was going out the door before he he did the parge or anything. So, yeah. And that um, way,
6: you can still say the man served some time. You can still say Mm -hmm. he served, you know, four years. So, let him go, you know. I mean, Hillary, look at her. Hillary, all that she committed, and she's still walking free.
1: Yeah, but I don't think Roger Stone ever did time. They released him the very next morning.
6: Well, I mean, he's going to be sentenced here sometime soon. That's what I'm saying.
5: Yeah, I mean, he uh, just it,
6: well, was adjudicated well, guilty. Exactly. Well, there's got to be a sentence in no. phase. No.
5: Well, actually,
1: he's um, he's going to be going for sentencing on February 20th. But it mm-hmm. looks like um, I may have to Call our guest So in that case I'm going to play Big Don And we'll be back as soon as I get a hold of Jesse And let's see what happens Alrighty Well let's see what happens Come on Big Don
7: Big Don, Big Don. Every morning All the time you See him arrive, he stood six foot three and weighed 235, kind of broad at the shoulder and fast with the lip. And everybody knew he didn't give no shit to Big Dom. Big Dom. Democrat L walked the giant of a man that the Patriots knew well Grabbed a sagging economy and let out with a groan And like a mighty old tree just stood there alone Big dong
5: We'll lie and cheat and steal and threaten and pander to illegals before our
7: veterans. But we're over these liberals loading our country in a hearse. It's about time to put America first. Big Don. Big Don. Big Don. Big Bad Don. We're going to put you. songs and all the centipedes following qa non and americans like me just singing my song for big dawn the path ain't easy because the devil's working hard but we got god on our side and he's playing his trump card just remember my country men to always stick together fake news can't stop us from making this world better said and done, America will be great, and we'll build a statue just to commemorate a great man with these words on the slate. Thanks to the people's power, a man came from his tower to save America in its final hour. Big Dog. Big Dog. Big
1: Big Dog. All right, and we're back. You're here listening to Sudden Sense. You're live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube. I'll just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, dot sensecom I'm your hostess with the most of radio, change, Annie, along with my co-host, the one, the only, C.S. Bennett. And we've got Keir Curtis on the line with us, returning one of our show favorites, retired gunnery sergeant, USSC hoorah, Jesse James Duff. Good afternoon, Jesse. How are you today?
0: Good afternoon. I'm fabulous. How is everything today?
3: It's
5: fine, oh Gunny. man, it's
0: crazy It is crazy out there, Gunny. I'm telling you, it
1: is absolutely nuts out there. Did you I, I know you had to catch the impeachment hearings. Is that not I watched the force or um, I,
0: what? I watched as much as I could stomach. I had to kind of keep going back and forth because it's it really was dry, dry. very repetitive. Very, repetitive. Um, very annoying too, the way Adam Schiff was cutting off uh, the New York Congresswoman and not giving her an opportunity to question the witness. but uh, it just it what really disappointed me more than anything was there was this long introduction segment by the Democrat uh, Council i asking her, how did that make you feel? And wh- how are you feeling about this? And how did that make you feel? Like when you were let go, how did that make you feel? I don't care how it made her feel. It doesn't matter to me. (laughs) For somebody who has been reprimanded more than enough times that I could shake a stick at, I've been reprimanded so many times in my entire life, that it gets to a point where you just don't remember it anymore, and you shut down your feelings and you keep marching. You get over it. She's actually going to testify in Congress how she felt how she feels is irrelevant. If she has a perspective that the president did, he hurt her feelings. It bothered her. Well, get over it. Shake it off. We all been there. We've all been there on some level. But for and you know everybody said she was going to cry. That was the other thing because apparently behind closed doors she was a big <laughs> floppy mess. So I'm sorry. I would have had to pass. I would have brought the. Biggest Costco box of Kleenex I could have found. And I would have been sitting there just waiting for my opportunity. I would have got up, walked over there, said, here's some Kleenex in case I make you cry, because I probably will. Then I would have gone back to my seat. Then, of course, I Adam Schiff would have hit, the, f- ga- yeah, then Adam would've would've hit the gavel. And he would have been like, you're out of order. You're out of order. I'll say, do you want me to go get my Kleenex back? I've heard she cries a lot. You know, I just want to make sure she's ready because I've got some daggers here. I would have been just awful. Added.
6: I would have added, do you need a safe space? (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. But, but, you know, she didn't cry. I give her a lot of credit. She didn't. She obviously had got that so far out of her system, she couldn't even fake a tear, fortunately. But, boy, were they trying to get her to cry because she kept getting – because that if you were watching the Democratic Council in the very beginning, he asked repeatedly how it made her feel, whatever situation she was asked, and when she was let go, when she had to abruptly get on the plane, when she had to do this, when she – how? how did it make you feel worry? What were you thinking? Where did it make it? Like they wanted her to start crying. And you know, she didn't because she probably heard all the commentators say that she's going to be a big slobbery mess. So she got her act together. And honestly, I just was a little bit dismayed that, uh, Adam Schiff even allowed the. I mean, I'm surprised he's even allowed it to go public because the fact is is that he's still doing such underhanded, sleazy tactics in this whole thing. Um, it's almost it, it, it's just dismayed to me. It's very dismaying to me. I've even seen libertarians on Twitter tweet, you know, even though they don't necessarily agree with the president, this sham will make them never. Vote Democrat again. You know it's <laughs> it's disgusting to a lot of people because they do know that the president is has not been afforded due process. They also know that this quote unquote witness witnessed nothing. Uh, there was also a reporter on OAN who tweeted out that she'd like to ask her a question about her Hillary Clinton party she had planned for when Hillary won. She wanted to ask her. She says I've gathered that you planned out a party, and I'd like to know how you are so nonpartisan. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. She had a three year tenure. She actually did do three years. The fact that President Trump had offered to have her go to 2020 and it didn't happen, and now they're all dismayed. Let's just question every ambassador then who was let go by President Obama, President Clinton, President Bush. Let's go through all of them because I'm sure they all felt a little bruised. I just don't have time to listen to bruised egos talk about how they don't like how they were fired. Somebody needs to call me because I could give some very interesting stories about being let go. I was let go from a contract for being a Trump supporter, a very well-known federally funded research and development center right here in McLean, Virginia. Let me go, because I was a Trump supporter. Of course they don't tell you that, but you find out through the back channels. So get over it, lady. That's really all I got to say. <laughs> well, Jessie, can you imagine if
1: that was a Republican asking those questions of a Democrat female? You'd hear Misogyny, uh, bigot—you would hear everything hurled at them.
5: How dare How you, do you think feel? a woman yeah.
1: would be able to would break down when placed in a position of power and then questioned about what she did with her duties? How, I mean, as a cop, if I had someone, I would have been laughed out of the precinct. You in the
0: Marine Corps, you would have been laughed oh, yeah. out of the
1: corps. How embarrassing!
0: It is, it is, and talking about her feelings on this really shows to the level they've stooped because they have nothing else. So let's just criminalize, let's impeach the, the So basically, they they saying to me that they need to impeach the president because he hurt Yovanovitch's feelings. That's what it sounds like because that's all they got. Guilty, I hurt her feelings. She got she got canned. Let's bring up everybody who got fired from The Apprentice. Let's go through them now. Oh, we're going to – I shouldn't give them any ideas. The next hearings will be if everybody was fired from the apprentice and how it was so inappropriate to do that on camera in front of public space. We have to impeach this man. I mean, that's what they're down to. And, uh, I mean, it's a gas. It's just – it would be – and not only that, they, they, they call people who have been in the hearings have said people are actually falling asleep in the audience. Because it's so dry and boring. When I've listened to Yovanovitch, she's really just repeating herself over and over. It's a different line of questioning that's the same question, just a different way that that each side is presenting it. And each side has pretty much reinforced their position. The Democrats have reinforced that she wasn't happy about being let go, and the Republicans have reinforced that she was let go before any of this happened. That's really what it boils down to. So, you know, there's no there there. Yovanovitch, the, the, and then I've gathered that, you know, maybe you had heard of how Judicial Watch had found that she had essentially also had uh, spied on many conservatives or had, was it their tweets or, um, I'm trying to recall the information Judicial Watch had exposed about Seth Gorka, uh, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Posebeck with OAN and several other conservative reporters that apparently they were monitoring. And she was a part of that so there's a lot of there's a lot of dirty that's tied to this lady, and there was a lot of reason why President Trump was not confident in her anymore. She was a part of a lot of the awareness of the corruption that was currently going on, and apparently, even when she went up to get confirmed as an ambassador, they peppered her with questions to get ready on the corruption that went on with Hunter Biden. They were fully aware that Hunter Biden was doing some nefarious deeds that apparently Obama was very uncomfortable with him being part of the energy company that was apparently supposed to influence for the sole purpose of influencing the Obama-Biden administration. So before she got confirmed, they gave her a round of questions so she could be ready for it when confronted with it on how she was going to handle that or how she was going to approach that or what was her awareness of that, you know, the whole thing is um, tragic that we've reached this point. It's really tragic because if we don't protect and defend this president, then what's going to happen the next time? It's it, it's going to become great havoc. It's not that we don't have enough havoc in Washington, D.C. already as it is, but it's going to come to a point where Republicans will do this to the next president, and then it's going to be a ping-pong match on who's going to undermine whom. We basically will nullify the position of being even a president if this is the type of behavior that we're going to be able to impeach one over. This is really a reckless, reckless operation that the Democrats are pulling, and they there has to be somebody on on their side, that realizes this, Jesse. Jesse, you're, you're too docile. Why don't you tell us what you really think? <laughs> oh my gosh, you need me to take it up a notch? <laughs> Be
5: careful.
0: <laughs> This is, this is pillow talk. <laughs> this is Jesse Duff's pillow take, talk right now. The I'm being camp.
5: gentle. <laughs> take us back the I'm being night. I'm being
0: yeah, I'm being sweet over here. This is this is this is pillow talk. This is just you know if, if we were in a relationship you would be like, Oh, she's happy, everything's good. Yeah. This is this is normal. This is this is that normal. This is why I don't go home often for, you know, holidays. If there's any Democrats in the room, they're like, oh, righty, we know Jesse's here. They clear out. You know, actually, it's just, you know, when we look at all of this, it is disgusting. And all of the Democrats with a reasonable brain out there know that this is a very high-risk move. This is a politically... A a, a huge risk. They know that it's undermining themselves for 2020. They know that the message has gotten out. I mean, President Trump's donations actually have gone up. His ratings have gone up. The stock market has done better. He even said in his rally last night in Louisiana that his guys are saying, hey, sir, have have the impeachment hearings go longer. You're doing great in the polls. I mean, it's like, he's like, no, no, we don't want to. But they're like, sure, but sir, the, the ratings are going up. Your poll numbers are coming up. I mean, it's... But it's not the way we want to run a country. We want Congress to pass law and do things. They're supposed to be lawmakers that ensure that we get things done. Like the the uh, Mexico Canada operation that we're still sitting on the table. By Nancy Pelosi, she won't even bring up to a vote. Won't even bring it up for a vote. That's supposed to get rid of NAFTA. You know, it is. It's the UCM. I can't even say it because it's USMC. A USMCA. It confuses me because it's an acronym for the Marine Corps, and then with an A at the end. Of it. <laughs> I
5: know. But
0: it's you know the Canada. It's the Mexico-Canada agreement, and this would bring 168,000 jobs to the United States and 10 billion dollars worth of revenue. What are they doing? Sitting on it. You know, they can't have this man have a success. What about prescription medication? They've got that bill up there that's supposed to lower the high cost of prescription drugs. And anybody who knows anyone who has to pay out of pocket for prescription medication, it is debilitating on top of whatever they already have to uh, deal with as their chronic illness. So uh, I'm amazed that the Democrats are really floating everything on this. The goal was to have it done by Christmas. Something tells me they will be done by Christmas. You know, they're going to be – they're basically – they've done – They've dug their graves, and this is the fourth time that they have put forward an effort to impeach the president. There were three other bills that they had passed, tried to pass on the House floor before. So make no mistake: when Nancy Pelosi says nobody comes to Washington D.C. to impeach a president, I dare to say this was a plan ever since he got elected. And many of those are newly elected members, like Rashid Talib, who we heard say, "F this man, I'm gonna get, or basically get him that." F out of there. She cursed his name and she was her goal upon election was to impeach the president. Instead of looking out for her constituents, her goal was to impeach the president, which is upside down. You are going there to represent your constituents and benefit them.
1: Well, just, just think back in Texas. They fired a rodeo clown for wearing an Obama mask during a rodeo. They, uh, they, they fired this poor man. For simply wearing a costume mask, and here you you've got them so rabid that it it, it just boggles the imagination. And you have AOC says, "Hey, listen, this is a cause that we can rally behind to unite the Democrats to take the 2020 elections."
5: She
0: She's said, living in fantasy this. world.
1: But the, yeah, no, that's as you fantasy. mentioned before the the, fu- the fundraising in the 24 hours after the impeachment hearing and on Wednesday in, within 24 hours of it starting the RNC or, or I'm sorry the Trump campaign raked in 3.1 million 3.1 million dollars in 24 hours from small donors not a major donor these are people sending 5 10 15 dollars 40 maybe yep. 50 but these are small donors, 3.1 million. Can you imagine the number of people to get that amount of money?
0: Oh, absolutely. Is a and court. the average donation, the average donation too, is uh, actually about 40 some odd dollars. And over half of his donors are women. So, you know, there is absolutely a surge of support for this president. People know he's not being treated fairly.
1: And it just gets crazier. But how did you like the therapy dogs that were sent to DC? I mean that that just floored me. I mean therapy dogs really are you that traumatized because the president made a, com- a remark on a phone that didn't even involve you? You are so freaking traumatized between a conversation of one president of the, of their country and another president of our country? That is how horrific this man is.
0: I don't know that they're so traumatized as much as they're trying to exploit a situation and mislead the American people. If you repeat a lie long enough, people will believe it. And the Democrats have just gotten so buckled down. Adam Schiff really has believed this is a corrupt man in his heart and soul. I believe that Adam Schiff believes that. And he's making a case based upon his belief. Versus a case based upon facts. So it's an emotional thing. It's like an old girlfriend who's been jilted and swears her boyfriend was cheating on her. She's going to do everything she can to prove he was cheating. She's going to dig through his laundry, dig through his phone messages, dig through his bills. She's going to keep digging, and even though he has a restraining order on her, and cameras showing her digging through everything to prove her case, and that's Adam Schiff. He's digging through everything, and we see what he's doing, and every single thing that he is doing is fraudulent and misleading. Trying to convince the American people, guess he keeps coming up dry. He's based an entire case upon his belief. And the Democrats have believed this since day one, along with the Never Trumpers, because they do not want somebody who came here and disrupted their. Boat. They had a nice little cruise cruise ship that was floating along with no disruption. And here comes President Trump saying, "You're not going to waste the taxpayers' dollars on this cruise ship that you guys are excessively use overspending, excessively overusing, and exploiting the American people for your own power and gain." So he's what's called the iceberg, and they're on the Titanic. The iceberg is just peeking a little bit out of the water. They're not afraid of it. What they don't realize is it's deep under the water, and he's got them. That may be not the best analogy for anybody who uh, feels that it's being insensitive, but the demise of the Democrats is that they are in absolute denial of what they are presenting as being an emotional argument that they're trying to substantiate with some form of fact, and they don't have any fact. This is why when you're emotional, you shouldn't be making decisions. When you become emotional, like, Anybody who's been through a divorce or a breakup, I reference that, we get irrational because it becomes emotional, and we don't look at the bigger picture, and your entire credibility can be destroyed based upon false allegations, and if this has not gotten even probably some of the most diehard Democrats on board of rethinking the, the leadership that they have elected into office when they realize they've accomplished nothing because they've been so derailed, we're trying to derail the president, that they're doing nothing for the American people. They're sitting up in Washington, D.C., making, what, an average of $140,000 to $170,000 a year just to create chaos. That's an embarrassment.
5: Mm.
1: That it is. And the worst part is for the Democrats, is that it's sending people over to the Republican Party that say, we're going to vote for Trump when it comes to 2020 elections. You've got Uh, The black community is flocking in droves. You're getting the uh, religious Hispanic community flocking in droves because they're finding out that our values are in fact their values. So they're shooting themselves in the foot and I'm cheering them all (laughs) along. Keep it going guys. You're helping our cause. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, they're, I I I like to believe that they're helping our cause, but I just can't underestimate any of these people. Uh, you know, they're convincing they're convincing somebody that they're in the right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this. They they have to have had enough uh, gin in their juice to feel drunk on this power, and uh, somehow somewhere they've gotten enough of that that they they have some subst- substantive. Uh, Donors or uh, power behind them because recklessness does not increase your capability of respect with the American people that have elected you. And, you know, when you watch these Trump rallies and you see the phenomenal uh, throng of support for him. Um, Louisiana last night was just another example of many people get excited when this man speaks. They get excited with his candor. They get excited with, he reads the script, then he goes off the script, then he reads the script, then he goes off the script. He personalizes his message. He personalizes who he meets and people know when he says, this is not about destroying me. They are trying to destroy you. And they understand that he has made this about the American people and their freedom is being attacked by the socialist left that wants to have more government control, more government regulation, higher taxes. They're actually running on higher taxes. They're offering this complete fraudulent medical plan that would cost American tax. It would remove over 200 million Americans off of their private health insurance and cost us anywhere between $33 trillion or the 50 trillion potentially that Elizabeth Warren's plan would cost. Where will that money come from? They've done surveys and show that well over half of the people that want this Medicare for all are not willing to pay higher taxes. So that is the mindset. Give me, give me, give me, but don't ask me what I have to contribute to get. And this is, again, like the jilted person who has been in a dead-end relationship that realized they gave everything and got nothing in return.
1: Well, Jesse, I haven't gotten you riled up enough. So we just got about three minutes left, and I'm going to read you something from Camila Harris. And I'm going to let you lose. Gunny, you're, you're the, our, our show's pitbulls. This is what she said to her constituents in a speech she gave in California. We have a nation of baby killers through our military. Our soldiers have become nothing more than a collection of evil, sadistic monsters whose sole purpose of existence is to maim and slaughter. And she goes on, they enjoy it. I've seen it in their vacant, soulless eyes. Our soldiers are completely dead inside. There are millions of Satan and are so because we have allowed it indeed. Leaders like Trump have encouraged it. And these demons reflect on our nation as a whole in the eyes of the world. It gets even worse. Foreign nationals see Americans as bloodthirsty zombies. And this is largely because of our military, which has no compassion and no empathy, and I'm sick of it. No longer should we liken to these cowardly animals in uniform. I aim to stop this and to the military's carnage across the globe. When I become president, I will immediately cut the defense budget in half. I'll take it away all the shiny new toys. I'll cut the numbers of personnel. I'll make them wish they never joined up because the Kamala Harris military was absolutely miserable. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, okay. So I guess, may we say, may she rest in peace because she just killed her presidential bid. That is just almost, uh, it, it would almost be comical if it wasn't true this woman is trying to run to be the commander-in-chief and has just made a blanket statement about 22.5 million veterans along with the one percent that serves this nation I mean, I can I can give you example after example of heroic efforts that our active duty and reserves who have been called active duty have uh, contributed to save the lives of others and what they have done to uh, ensure that our freedom has been intact, in what they've done to help others have freedom. Uh, there's many foreigners that would give their right arm, including her, apparently her own mother, to come to this country because of the freedom that we have and for her to say something like that i would dare to say her mother didn't move to this nation expecting that her daughter would run around saying we must abolish the very military that ensured that this country has the freedom that it does now um that that's in place i mean it's just kind of mind numbing to hear that i can't even i can't even comment with harsh enough words because you'd have to bleep out most of them, and that probably would not be good radio. Um, But I would say that it's disappointing that that's who she truly is. She has lost now the potential nomination to ever, to ever be president of the United States because those words will haunt her. It will be the ghost of Kamala Harris because now every single defense uh, company, uh, city that depends upon the defense industry, those people that are building our aircraft, those people that are ensuring that our military is the best equipped, the best informed, the best capable. You're talking about now folks that are working in the intelligence agency that ensure that our military is always uh, in, in out of harm's way. For her to suggest that we are just baby killers, I mean, what is this, Vietnam 2.0? It, it's a tragic comment on her part. And, you know, she just basically put a stake in her own heart and that's her own fault.
1: You know, it, it's amazing that, you know, she is, is so blinded by hatred that she would make the statement so publicly and think it's acceptable.
0: I think she, I don't even know that she hates as much as she just wants to win. And she probably has surrounded herself by like-minded uh, tree hugging, pot smoking, uh, you know, people, not, not, no disrespect. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm trying to paint a stereotype of the sixties love child. That's what I'm trying to paint because, you know, not suggesting everybody (laughs) smokes marijuana as a tree hugger. But what I am suggesting is that she has surrounded herself by such left wing mindsets. Less than 1% of this nation serves. That means she probably doesn't even know anybody who has ever served on active duty, let alone somebody who has served this nation in a manner for her to respect. It sounds a lot like what Hillary Clinton tried to do when she was the first lady, and they didn't want anybody in the military in the White House in uniforms. There were things like that, where you could just see the disdain in their eyes for the active duty military. This has been well reported by many people who were in the White House, just the attitude towards the military. So, you know, it's like, she's not even worth our conversation because she's falling apart in the polls. She's already had to dismantle her campaign, as I recall, in different locations. There's It's been reported that it's nothing but chaos and disorder. She's not going to win. And if it wasn't just for that comment, it's just for her ideology that does not gel with the American people. None of those candidates are going to win. Why we even waste our air on them. They've demonstrated that they don't have the best interests of Americans at heart and President Trump's economy is rocking and rolling. And when you have 22.5 million veterans with the lowest unemployment rate now ever in the history of the United States. And you have the lowest unemployment rate for women, African-Americans, Asians, Latinos. Let me just cross the board here. American lowest unemployment rate. And our wages are going up because of the tax cuts. And when you start looking at all of the benefits we have, who's going to mess with that unless they buy into some socialist agenda that suddenly the government can provide more? That's not how it works. We're a country that has now got production back in this country. We have 500,000 new manufacturing jobs. They lost 200,000 alone in the last two years of the Obama administration. I read somewhere that they had over 20 million jobs lost to China in the first decade of 2000 to 2010. When you're looking at your neighbor unemployed, your neighbor across the street unemployed, guess what? Your property values go down. Now unemployment is back. People's wages are up. Kamala, you offer nothing but to slash the Defense Department in half? That's just insane.
1: It is, absolutely. You also mentioned,
0: I want to go back just a little bit, because you mentioned
1: the USMCA, and Pelosi kind of like dangled the fish before us after the impeachment uh, hearings on Wednesday. Mexico has already signed it. Canada is poised to sign it. And Pelosi, I, I honestly think Pelosi dangled that stinky fish in front of us just to take attention off the impeachment because she saw maybe how bad it's going. She may, like, try to bring the USMCA up on the floor. What's your thoughts?
0: I I suspect she's stuck something dirty in it. I think that she may have made a compromise with the unions. She's probably – because I had heard the same rumor that she was going to try to get it to the floor flat fast. And the first question that came out of the group's mouth that I work with on watching these very things was, what the heck is she putting in there? um and there are things that i would expect are bad you know one of the things we have to be very careful for are the ominous bill that the president promised he would not sign again well now they're doing baby ominous bills you know they're breaking them down into smaller pieces our debt and deficit is now at record highs so the spending has to now be put in a way where we know we can get out of this our GDP cannot be below what our debt and deficit is. You know, it is putting us in a position where we could be financially, we can collapse. So I dare to say that she's going to try to sneak something in there. And uh, who knows what the heck it is. For all we know, it could oh, be a, a DACA to... amnesty again. <laughs> who knows? <laughs>
1: Curtis, you got a question? Curtis?
6: Well, I want to... I want to know what you would have said, Gunny, if you were interviewing this woman this morning.
0: Which one? What, what, Which crazy one?
6: The, the, the <laughs> I need a space woman. <laughs> oh, Yvonnevich. What's the one question you would have wanted to ask her? Right. I,
0: you know, I, I really would just say, so apparently you're very emotional because you feel a lot. You know, because you testified <laughs> here on how you feel. Yeah, it sucks to get fired, doesn't it? uh can you tell me how many americans have been uh dismissed you know can you tell me how many americans have lost their jobs this year you're not the first one to go through that you know how do you feel about others you know you act, how long was your appointment she'll say 3 years how long did you serve she would say 3 years who appointed you Barack Obama did you have any did, did you have any concern when president trump was elected that you would actually be extended you probably didn't even expect that and then not only that the person that they replaced her with was also a former Obama person. It wasn't a Taylor. The one, the, the one that was testifying, was it yesterday, their star witness? He's the one that has replaced her. Well, it doesn't sound like we, we've got some kind of plan here to uh, get Trump people in there. We, we put another career diplomat in her place. So, you know, there's just a lot of questions that would just run through my head, but I just think it's a waste of time. We're looking, every every question that needed to be asked was already asked. Did she overhear any collusion? Did she ever hear about any crimes? Did she ever hear about any bribery? Because they've had to change the wording language now from quid pro quo to now bribery. I would ask her specifically the same thing that the senators and congressmen have asked her. Did you witness any of this? Did you overhear any of this? And her answer has repeatedly been no. And Devin Nunes said it best after he asked her like three or four multiple questions. It's been tweeted out by the White House and other people that have been in the hearing. Essentially, it's his line of questioning. She answers repeatedly no, 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 no to overhearing any of this. And then he says, So I dare to say, why are you a witness here since you didn't see anything? I dare to say that this is, there's no reason for you to be here. And the look on her face was a little aghast because, you know, the sun, the moon, and the stars revolve around her emotion. Anyway, well, I think we've covered it. (laughs) The hearings are a joke. They've (laughs) embarrassed themselves. And uh, there's not much... uh... We we just have to now make sure that the Republicans keep keep driving at home and keep getting in front of the press. I will say, for the first time, I'm proud to see the Republicans rally harder than they've ever tried before. You know, prior to this, we saw people like the Paul Ryans running around and dismissing the president and sending out casual tweets of disgust. And now we finally got all the Republicans realizing, if you allow this to happen, you will never get your democracy back. And they finally realize this president is the only person who has been able to do that. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And, and the left is crying all the way to the paycheck they cash as members of Congress and the Senate. And it, it, it's become a, a farce. I mean, I, I, see, I voted for Reagan the first time. So that I've seen quite a lot, but to see the political environment that I see today, I thought the 70s were bad, but this, this is just absolutely crazy. But his rallies are getting bigger and bigger and bigger than when he yeah. ran as a candidate,
0: and it shows yeah, the support are-
1: of the American people.
0: Yep and they're outside right. waiting too. They not only are they inside they have sometimes as many people outside in overflow. And it's pretty impressive to see that the American people are are fed up with this. You know, I don't you know, if you if you hate this president, you know, for whatever reason it may be, I can only ask you is it, if it's based upon an emotional reason, that's not logical. If it's based upon something that you heard about in the 70s or if you heard about in the 60s you know, it's not logical. Or you know, not the 70s. I'm sorry. I'm even the 80s. You know, some of the things that you know he may have said. You know, uh, you know, on the the camera, the the camera that uh, what was that? The uh, the the webcam. Well, no. What am I trying to say? The uh, the Bush tapes when he remember Reggie Reggie. When help me out here, people. Oh
5: yeah.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah. The grab by, by, by the p word. Yeah. If that's all you've got, then you have nothing. Because he wasn't an elected official, that was a hot mic, that was in the 80s. And I dare to say, we didn't even know what the Me Too movement was in the 80s. We were offensive people in the 80s. Anybody remember sitting around, or is it just me, that remember sitting around the dining room table and hearing jokes that would be considered highly inappropriate by today's standards? So, you know, you're sitting back, and it's like I'm basically saying you're offended that George Washington was a slaveholder compared to today's standards it is, but compared to the standard of which this nation was founded, that is a a tragedy that has happened. But it doesn't mean he was an individual who was a horrible person based upon the history of our country. What made slavery so horrible was that the society throughout the world tolerated it. Not one individual, societies. Societies such as Europe, Africa, everywhere you went, the slave trade was something that people had accepted. So you cannot sit here and go by today's standard to judge what often was considered acceptable under maybe. Two, two, three, four decades ago, and I see that happen all the time. I, you know, I don't even care what Joe Biden said in the '80s. I don't even care what he said in the '90s, for that matter. He can't even get it straight in 2019. <laughs> he says, he says flat out, poor kids are as smart as white kids. You don't need to go back to the busting issue, Kamala Harris, right there. Poor kids are as smart as white kids. Boom, 2019. That's what you got to worry about. There's a lot of offensive things that our country has had happen, and we can debate all of those things, horrible things. At the same time, you got to look at how society had to slowly pivot and slowly change and recognize, and even our founding fathers set up that we had a declaration of independence and a constitution that were created so that we could change, that we could become better. They weren't set up in a way that we were, we were bound to things that may not have been the best mindset for our nation. But, you know, I regress. It's, it's like President Trump, if people don't like him, it's always based upon something of the past or something that he says at a rally. They want a scripted politician. Look at his policies. Because guess what? I don't care what this man has said or what he has tweeted. Look at my, uh, the fact you have a job. Look at your economy. Look at your prosperity. The actions are louder than words.
1: Uh, th- that is absolutely absolutely true. You know, I, I want to bring another little bit of a subject because you mentioned the Constitution I'm going the Bill to. Of I right. do
0: have another call coming in, so I'm going to have to go. I have another interview coming up, so I really got. I have about one more minute that I can probably uh, contribute.
1: All right, just the recent court ruling that is sending, uh, they're saying Remington is guilty, because that was the weapon used in a shooting. That's an assault directly on the Second Amendment.
0: What was the ruling? I'm sorry, I didn't. You said there was a ruling to about a weapon. The, the Supreme
1: The Supreme Court was hearing a case involving Remington and the Sandy Hook shooting.
0: Oh, oh the, okay. I don't see the Supreme Court ruling against the Second Amendment in any way shape or form. We have enough judges that are conservative that support the Second Amendment and I don't expect that it's going to be anything different. You know, trying to blame un, a gun maker for well,
1: unfortunately, the Supreme Court said the case should go forward. So the case will well, be going not, back to the. Re, well, I'm court. not
0: aware of the case, so I really can't comment on it right now. But I do have a call coming in. It is an interview, so I do have to cut and get going. But please do invite me back anytime again. I welcome it.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'll get a hold of Gabriel.
0: Thank Absolutely. you. Gunning.
1: Take care and God bless. All right, Curtis. It looks like we're having, it could be a problem with Paula, because she does have a White House appointment, so she could be caught up in that, Mm -hmm. and I sent her agent a couple of messages. Now, he reassured me last night that she would be on. Uh, It's a shame that uh, we don't have her, Um, but uh, the show must come on.
6: (laughs) And I left the number just in case, you know, she becomes free, you know, wherever she is now, she can call in.
1: Well, I just want to follow up on what I was talking about, but the Supreme Court has ruled uh, the guns and Second Amendment is now one of the top most critical issues in our nation. And this is from Tea Party PAC, and they reported that this was also up on Infowars. On Tuesday, the highest court in the U.S. refused to halt the lawsuit filed by the parents of slain students against the Remington Arms Company, which alleges the company promoted the Bushmaster AR-15 rifle for use in assaults against human beings. I've never known a gun manufacturer unless it's in defense of uh, an individual. I've never known a gun manufacturer to say, well, let's go out and do a school shooting, folks. This is the perfect weapon for it. They'd be off their minds. They would have a a whole hassle of um, lawyers Saying hey listen this is poor Advertising and if you don't think A large company like Remington Won't run an ad past A couple of their lawyers saying Do we have any liability if we run this Ad
5: you know, it, it, it would be Well it would be,
1: the whole
6: nature the, the nature of their business A gun will kill If the bullet strikes the target If it's a you know Animated organic target But um uh, no, they shouldn't be held responsible, no more than um, the company that makes um, tools for surgeons. You know, It should be the individual that h- should be held accountable.
1: How about, how about someone that has a DUI, hits someone, kills the individual, so are you going to hold Ford, GM, Mercedes-Benz, Volkswagen, Toyota, Honda, any of those companies that manufacture the cars that kill someone? Liable It it makes absolutely no sense
6: I think I think the Supreme Court Is pretty much saying let the process Go and I believe if it does ever get to The Supreme Court level Then they'll rule against um, This lawsuit But the process I mean you're free to sue whoever you want You know well, but you may here, not like the end
5: result.
1: Well, here's the crux of the matter. Uh, the Remington lawyers have argued a 2005 law protecting the company and firearms manufacturer from being held liable for crimes committed by gun purchases. And it's it's exactly this law that Congress enacted to ensure that firearms is so central to our, our society, to our, our rights as American citizens. And I remember after the Sandy Hook shootings, that they were all pushing for the manufacturers to be held liable. So Congress went forward and said in 2005, no, you can't do that. They're not responsible for an individual's action. It's like um, if you have a company that makes opioids and an individual overdoses on the opioids, are you going to hold the company that manufactured that medication responsible for someone doing something they knew to be wrong. I mean, you you purchase a gun for defense, for hunting, for protection. And if you're in the military, you use it to get your job done, which is to kill people. You would go into the military because you know the day may come where you may have to come to the defense of this nation, of its citizens, and kill the enemy. There's a specific purpose for weapons, be it a knife. What what about these guys in MS-13 that buy machetes and decapitate people and cut them all up like they did to that poor girl in Brentwood, or they do to their, their opposing gang members out in L.A. or Chicago or New York? You're going to hold the manufacturer of the machete responsible? Because someone decided to commit a crime using what you manufactured? No,
5: no.
6: Now, did did the Supreme Court send it back to the lower courts? I mean, for what was who, what was their reasoning that they give one?
1: Uh, let me finish through the article. <clears throat> okay. Um, all right, I'm I'm just quickly scanning through this. Uh they just sent it back to the other uh, court and I don't see a reason for the ruling. I'd have to probably pull that mm. up. Um, There's gotta
6: be some reason. Some procedure or well, process that the lower court didn't follow and they want taken care of before it comes to the Supreme Court.
5: Well,
1: the the Connecticut uh justice, his name is Richard Palmer, his decision Stated that Remington's ad violated the CUTPA, the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act, by marketing the XM15-E2S to civilians for criminal purposes. And that those wrongful marketing tactics caused and contributed to the Sandy Hook. <clears throat> so
5: mm.
1: all, what it looks like is the Supreme Court said, now kick it back to the lower court and let them make a ruling on that. And I see people up in the studio. If you Can want I to participate just in the conversation, if you want to participate in the conversation, please press one on your keypad. That way I know that you're not listening in and you have a comment question or you might be our next guest, <clears throat> but it looks like we oh. do not have pastor Paul Paula with us today, which is a shame because uh, she has a great book called something greater. And, uh, It's an amazing, amazing book And it had me laughing at times, crying at times And hopefully we'll get her back on At another date But uh, it looks like we do not have her today
5: Mm.
1: Unfortunately And I'm starting to lose my voice, guys
5: Oh, jeez This is going to be a great show (laughs) If Annie (laughs)
1: can't talk Hey, Annie Annie, Sit down and shut up But then (laughs) again
6: Didn't the Supreme Court just take up the case about the DACA children? And they should have a ruling I, sometime yeah. next year. That's an, that's another interesting one.
5: Yeah. I mean from they, everything they I've
6: I've heard, Obama did not have the authority to um to do that. No. You know.
1: He used an executive order it's to like, legislate.
6: Right. It and that's unconstitutional.
1: It was not A enumerated power of the Constitution for him to create that executive order for DACA. We all knew that when he did it. And the fact that no one successfully challenged him him. when he was in office on that.
6: Uh, He was the the guy, the the black president. He couldn't do that.
1: (laughs) Well, it just goes to show how deep the state is that uh, they wouldn't allow any challenge to his unlawfully using executive power.
6: But if that was Trump, but, oh my God.
1: Exactly. It would have gone to uh, the Ninth Circuit in California or the Sixth, Sixth Circuit down in D.C. And here's the good news, folks. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk to uh, Jesse about and go back to my notes here. Oh, I got the wrong set of notes. Um, Trump has successfully Change the face Of the federal judicial system Let me just pull up The information here uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got so many different You know me I've Curtis since you've been in the studio With me you know how much I, I'm a mess <laughs> An absolute mess and I the believe, I believe the,
6: the reason I believe the reason Why Trump was, was left with so many um, Open um, Seats Judgeships it's because I think Obama believed that um, Hillary was going to become president next And that's why He well, didn't with that- any urgency uh, Oh Hillary She'll uh, feel I it she'll-
1: Well I will Criticize Mitch McConnell when I see Him doing wrong but one of the things he succeeded In doing under the Obama administration Is preventing A lot of these judicial appointments from going Forward that Obama had put forward which is why it left so many seats for Trump to do the appointment. So now I'm not a fan of Mitch McConnell. And if you take the M off of Mitch and put a B in there, that's my nickname for him. But under Trump, um, we have seen as of this past Wednesday, he has named and shepherded through the U.S. Uh, 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 nominations and approvals, uh, including Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, 44 circuit court judges, 112 district court judges, and of these 158 judges, more are coming on. Uh, It's more than any president in the history of the United States has ever done. These are roughly 25% of the appellate court judges that are changing. And it's changing the makeup of the court systems across America, which is what we want to see. Uh, the Third Circuit has shifted um, – I said six. It was the Third Circuit. Apologize. My bad. From being dominated by Democratic-nominated judges to GOP, GOP uh, magistrates, uh, the Second and Eleventh Circuits are likely to flip by the end of just this year. So that puts three on our side. Even the Ninth Circuit out of San Francisco is changing its complexion. So uh, at this point, San Francisco – The Ninth Circuit, we're leading in right-leading judges by a two-seat majority, and the GOP Senate is expected to confirm more judges this year than combined in 2017 and 18. We're changing the face of America by this president that everyone loves to hate.
6: And he's got four more years. Yep. From four, your more years. God's ears. four more years.
1: <laughs> yeah. You saw that rally when they started chanting four more years. And
6: yeah,
1: I, I swear it's it's the rallies are getting bigger and they didn't do like they did to you, uh, Curtis, when you were at the rally and you were about four rows, three rows behind a Bush uh, Bush Trump when he was speaking. They're allowing more of a panorama so you can see the diversity of people standing behind him.
6: I noticed that. It's about time they get that.
1: Yeah, they cut you the, out because your mug's so the, ugly.
6: I was to the <laughs> left. I was to the left. Yeah, that, that probably was a good reason.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> but um, I your got pictures of them. Your too ugly. Yeah. Oh well. Can't win the day for <laughs> everybody. But Trump didn't need my help that day, in that that respect. Well, I was no. there cheering but- them on, cheering them on.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <clears throat> and the I'll energy try- this really guy
6: have- has to even do these, you know, I couldn't see, I couldn't see uh, Joe Biden having rallies like this just back to back. I think he'd be in a wheelchair or, or falling down like um, Hillary. <laughs> they can't keep up with this guy. He's energetic, you know <laughs> they said that if you look at all the presidents after they did like four, maybe two terms, the hair just turns gray and they look older but trump he he seems energetic, he looks the same, even probably more younger and energetic than when he first came in well, he, he
1: thrives he thrives on being busy he's not a man that can sit still for very long. And you know, if if you have him sitting still like Biden would do or, or Bozo, I mean Obama would do, um, they they can't take the pressure. He lives on the pressure. His whole life has been about the pressure. And uh, that's what he's all about. He it, it you're and right, he looks younger. But I, I also want to know who dyes his hair. Because it's not as orange as it used to be. I'm I'm telling you, he gets his hair dyed. He does get his hair dyed. You you, you can't say that's his natural color. It's as close to his natural color, but it's not as orange as it used to be.
6: I just know he looks great.
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, oh, man, um, Curtis, bear with me for a second. I'm going to be right back. I have to go get something, and I want to – oh, it looks like our next guest is coming in on the phone. Well, okay. no, it's not. It looks like it's.
6: That could it be. Looks uh, like we have,
1: yeah, yeah. Let me get the switchboard going. It looks like we have Pastor Paula White with us. Good afternoon, Pastor. How are you doing? Hello? Hello, area code
5: 813.
1: Hello? Hello. Can you hear me?
0: Hi there. Are, yes, I Paula, Paula had a call at 4 p.m.
1: Yeah, we kind of missed you there, Pastor. How are you doing today? Yeah,
0: well, this is her assistant. This isn't Paula, but she just realized she missed the call. You were going to call her.
5: We
1: did several several times, times. and
0: we got oh, we got the voicemail. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Um, Can she call you now, or is shall we reschedule it? I'm so sorry.
1: Um, Well, I'm I'm looking for. uh Bill Ganasty is supposed to be calling in uh, right now. I'm waiting for his call. If she wants to call in or you give her the phone, we'll talk to her for a few moments before he calls in. Okay,
0: perfect. Let me see if I can do that. Thank you.
1: All right. <laughs> uh, folks, this is live radio. You never know what's going to happen, <laughs> but we're always going to work on the fly. Right, Curtis? Right. All right. It looks like Pastor Paula will be calling in in just a moment here. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about with her. I mean, unfortunately, we don't have the full half hour because uh, if Bill calls in in just a few moments, um, we'll, we'll see what happens.
5: Then but, we'll so be like over,
1: now... <laughs> hey, that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing because, you know, she just got appointed to the White House uh, in a interfaith um, position you know, as a public liaison, and it's it, it's great that she's going to be doing that because very few people understand or know how Trump has faith and he does pray and he, he, he it matters he a, a lot to advisor. him. And I mean,
6: she, think
1: about she has been his, but she's been his just, spiritual advisor fourteen years before he was elected. So she's been with him now for 17 years as a spiritual advisor. And he loves and trusts her so much that he's putting her in this liaison position uh, for interfaith. Yeah. So, you know, Well, I, think I,
6: about it. it. Bubba, he had Jesse Jackson. And Jesse, a <laughs> spiritual advisor, he's out there making babies with another woman and telling her to get an abortion <laughs> twice. But he's a spiritual advisor <sighs> to the president. I tell you, only in D.C., only in the Beltway.
1: <laughs> only, 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 only. And it looks like someone just tried calling me on my phone, and it's not going to work, guys, whoever this is.
6: Wow.
5: Nope.
6: But now we have a true a spiritual work. advisor. Trump gets nothing but the best.
1: And her book um, uh, that is out there uh, is an excellent, excellent book. And it's, geez, Annie, get your act together here. It's called Something Greater that has just been released.
6: That's a great title.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And we've got Paula probably calling on my cell phone, and I'm trying to tell her that she's calling the wrong number. So hopefully this. Yeah, goes, I left
6: the number to
1: the show. To yeah, I I sent a text over to her agent also, and uh, hopefully that uh, she'll get the message.
5: <laughs> wow. And War
1: uh, points out that uh, Reverend Wright was uh, Obama's spiritual advisor for twenty years. Oh my
5: God.
6: And
1: I... <gasps> Your
3: chickens have come home to roost. <laughs>
6: What a piece of work.
5: <laughs> and this oh, guy lives in Lord. a
6: multi-million dollar home and is going to talk about the country that made that possible for him. And that's the problem I have with those um, on the left who, who are wealthy. Instead of going back to um, the communities that are poor and letting them know, hey, look, I did it. You can do it. You no, know, they sit here and they put down the very system a free market system, which made them rich, they put it down. So, of course, the masses and the uh, poor communities—they're left with no hope. But they haven't figured out well, exactly. how did those guys make it. You know, it doesn't dawn on them. Well, they made it.
1: Well, exactly, exactly. And this is something Pastor Paula had done in her ministry. She went into the inner cities. She went out to East LA, and as she was preaching. A gangbanger opened his jacket, showed her the weapon in his, in his waistband as if to say, stop preaching, white girl. You, you best be stopped preaching because – and she continued. She didn't stop. She didn't know she was going to be shot right then and there, and she was afraid for her life, but she kept on going. And you know what? That person that did it to her, went by the street name of Dreamer, put down his firearm at her feet. And left the gang And then he got other gang members To do the very very same thing So it looks like Our next guest is up in The bullpen And let's welcome to the show Ervil, also known as Bill Gnasty. Good afternoon Bill how are you doing today
4: Ah great Great to be with you and You know It is
1: very fortunate that you come On the show on this day When just this week uh President Trump sat down with President Erdine and oh my god, the fireworks in the press have gone absolutely nuts.
4: It's funny, right? No one knows what they're <laughs> yes. talking about. I mean it's absolutely like a, like if he came like if he came from uh, Mars or something, Venice or something. <laughs>
1: Well, you've got a book that's going to be coming out on exactly this subject. It's going to be released in January, and I'm sure you're going to shoot me a copy, signed. <laughs> and, uh, it's called Game Changer, Turkey and Aerodyne Trump Card. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading it because I've, I've pulled up a whole slew of uh, information on this book. And uh, to let you know that we're up live video on uh Uh, Facebook. So these are my notes, guys. (laughs) It's a whole stack of them, Uh, plus some extra handwritten notes, the crib notes I was doing. I did a really a whole lot of uh, cramming last night on the situation. You know, I I found that I wasn't as stupid as I thought I was. But everyone, you're hearing people like Lindsey Graham going, no, 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 you don't want to do something with Turkey. You know, you got to give them sanctions but that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing at this point in time.
4: Exactly. Exactly. You know, the Republican senators have to be in tow with uh, President Trump. They have to follow his lead. He has enough uh, mockery to deal with. And the Republicans just does do not need to be too smart right now. And uh, because when I say too smart, in the sense that they don't have to make a policy right now this is not the time to make a policy and it is time to win back erdogan which is the president of turkey to win back obama lost it and president trump has to win him back that's that's simple enough right now the damage that came from the globalists bush and Bush 43, Clinton, and Obama, all three globalists. uh, But what Obama did in the eight years, foreign policy element, is disaster. And we are talking about Ukraine right now. We lost, Crimea has lost to Russia. When was it lost? During Obama time. And all these things that we are watching today, on television impeachment things, you see, it's all, uh, it's a big mess. So there is a big mess with Turkey. And it's good, it's very smart for President Trump to bring Erdogan, President Erdogan, to White House to mend those bridges. And uh, pulling the troops out of Syria is was the first step along that line. There are other issues that they have to deal with, and uh, they have dealt. And they'll talk more, and they'll deal with more issues. Well, you know, you've got a
1: varied background, and you are able to step into two different worlds because you served under eight Turkish prime ministers, including Aradine, uh and you also have the ear of President Trump on these issues. Uh, so you, you know both sides of the equation, don't you?
4: Yes, I know. Like, um, I speak both languages, first of all, fluently. And, uh, you, uh, you know, English is my third language, French is my second. I went to boarding school, and Turkish is my first. So I study uh, life, history, philosophy, and everything else, uh, first in Turkish, then in French. That means European mindset. And after that, when I came to America, I studied this uh, you know, Boston University, University of Miami, NYU. So first of all, I understand what both sides are saying whether they are making jokes threats or playing games so it is important that one understands what when uh, when uh, in reference to one president and the other president they come from two different cultures they are two different people but on the other hand because of my background and understanding of these elements I just mentioned I understand their personality how they think why what would they think? And this is important. You know, we are talking about right now an ambassador of, uh, to Ukraine, U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, and she's making a fool of herself on television right now. Mm. But oh, yeah. for those who understand, for those who understand, of course, but for half of the Democrats or the world that we live in in America right now, unfortunately, they are clueless. And unfortunately, this ambassador is also clueless. You know, as an, I, I served, right, about a dozen ambassadors at the UN under Turkish prime ministers. Well, what does an ambassador do? Ambassador doesn't do anything. He sits, and the paper comes in front of him from the capital of the country after everybody put their signature on it, and he reads it someplace. Ambassador reads that thing. Ambassador never comes up, or he can give his opinion, or she can give his opinion, but you know how small that opinion is within the bureaucracy of any country, whether it is Turkey or U.S.? It's a small opinion. It doesn't count deadly, nothing. The point is, that's why the Constitution gives enormous powers to one person as president versus 100 senators and so many congressmen, because... One person at the top has to say things thing on behalf of that country clearly. Whether it is good, bad, ugly doesn't matter. Whether it is a threat or it is said with low voice, diplomatically, postured, whatever it is, doesn't matter. The the message has to be communicated to the other president because the other president is in the same boat. He has to uh, evaluate everything else that's coming from his end. Nobody is living a good life. Uh, when you are a president of a country, you are under enormous pressures. So you have to talk freely to each other. Don't worry about any small people who are small people, everybody else. Because our Constitution, U.S. Constitution today, gave enormous powers to the presidency. Why? There is a reason for that. So the point is, those two presidents, President Erdogan and Erdogan, President Trump, when they talk to each other, for that matter, any two presidents talk to each other, they are talking to one another with enormous powers. They are not there to make small business decisions. They don't have that luxury. Even if they are going to get benefit out of that encounter, of course, everybody gets an encounter, benefits from any encounter when two people meet. Something come, good comes out of it most of the time. But that's, there is a lot more... They achieve a lot more uh, stuff, whether they want it or not, for millions hundreds of millions of people. So the point is uh, President Trump coming to uh, inviting President Erdogan to White House is not a simple matter it's not a weakness it's not this it's not that. It is that two countries have to meet that 's why we have that White House so that our president can meet with other presidents and conclude business deals, pocketbook issues deals, which what they did.
1: Well, you know, people are looking at aerodyne and they're saying, well, he's buying these Soviet missiles and he's buying these Soviet planes. Uh, why aren't they buying from the U.S.? But under President Obama, they refused to sell them. And under this exactly. Congress, they canceled the sale. Even though Trump was pushing for the sale, saying, hey, listen, this is our ally. This is our NATO ally. We have a 200-year relationship with Turkey. They assisted us in many NATO affairs, including saving lives of American soldiers in Korea during the Korean War. We have a tight relationship with them. They're the glue that's holding the Middle East together. We need to give them our equipment so they work with us but our Congress exactly. and our previous president killed it. So what is he yes. going to do to defend look, his country? What's his last option?
4: Look, look. You, we elected Obama. Who is he? He read lots of books. He's a smart man. He's a beautiful American, right? Good. We produced him as president. We created something wonderful. We are progressive, open-minded Americans. We elected uh, Obama president. But he doesn't know how to sell. America is built on sell, producing stuff and selling to the world. That's how we became the sole superpower, 40% of the world economy we became in the 20th century because we we manufactured and we sold. We manufactured and we sold. So what is President Trump doing? He's saying, hey, okay, I understand Jamal Khashoggi was murdered. Okay, it is a disaster. but." First, I have to continue selling stuff so that I can bring high-paying jobs to American people that everybody has to pay their bills. Good. What is so natural, not you know, about Turkey? It's an ally, like you said, all those other elements. But at the end of the day, they are customers. If they knock on your door today, if you want a pizza place, if you want a any small you know america is built on small shops right mom and pop shops if if a customer comes what do you do you get up from your chair you smile and you sell stuff, stuff now this country is coming it's a big client and you say no i don't want to sell it to you why not sell it produce something even better you know a new generation plane new generation missile new generation this and then you have something else to hold back that they'll come back for. This is what U.S. did during the 20th century. This is what President Trump is doing. Sell it first. Then the world has tons of problems. We will resolve each one of them uh, as best as we can together, whether it's a migration problem, whether it is wars, whether it is this, whether it is that. But selling, that's how this America was built. That's how we became superpowers. And that's how we're going to maintain our superpower status. But we forget how to sell. China is able to sell more to us. And European Union is able to sell more to us. Well, all these things took place more so during these globalists. They, they, they forgot how to sell. They started to buy. And then we are becoming number three economy accordingly. So one, when you sell... When you are able to sell you have something to sell then you have a leverage what leverage do you have today over turkey since you didn't sell anything last 20 years to turkey anything of value so they bought it from here and there but they also manufacture themselves so they you don't have any leverage that's why in syria president trump had to pull the troops out why because international system was functioning over there between themselves and u s was not part of it thanks to Obama, and based on that, and then you know President Trump made a decision one, two three, and he says, "Hey, I'm going to pull the troops out, stay out in the Mediterranean, and then rebuild the open a new page and come back to Middle east in the from the point of strength. But the point is u s today doesn't have any leverage against turkey okay u s has Enormous power, destructive powers against any states in the world today, very powerful, so many nuclear bombs and missiles and everything, but no one is going to use them. We figured that out during the Cold War, mutual assured destruction element, and so that's out of equation that's for the books. But there is a threat sure. power, there is a respect that comes with it, but you are not going to use that. you are going to do it. Economically, sell and have a leverage. That's, there is no other way to, to to go around this. Well,
1: you know, we as Americans look over at Turkey, and for generations, you know, it was, it was um, a country where, similar to the United States, you had everyone as a melting pot. You had Christians, you had Jews, you had Muslims. They were all living exactly. in harmony. And exactly. Eridan comes into power. We see him as an Islamist. He's is starting to implement, in certain areas, Sharia law. And so we as Americans question, what is his motive? Now, has he changed his opinions? Or we see loss of human rights. So as Americans, we're going, well, do we want to support this man as a leader?
4: Well, you are making points uh, based on the information I call it disinformation, misinformation, out there. First of all, uh, President Erdogan, when he came to power, it it was in the 1990s. Well, he was a pious person. You know, he was a heavy religion. Like today, um, you you can be very devout Christian. I can be devout Jewish or something Buddhist or whatever. That's what he is. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, use the word Sharia. Uh, President Erdogan never uh, mentioned Sharia. He's not for Sharia. It, those vocabularies are thrown just to blemish him. But when he came to power in 1990s, he was a pious person, very you know into his religion. That's good. What's wrong with somebody believing in a religion, one religion, And mining his own business. So when I met for the first time President Erdogan when he came to power in 2002, when I was in the mission, still working for the office of the Prime Minister of Turkey. So when he became, his party came to power in 2002. He, uh, I, you know, that's when I first met. And my belief was that okay, he's a very uh, religious person. And but what is his intentions? Who, who are who is he? Is he going to become part of the modern Turkish Republic, has become in the 20th century, or is he going to back us, take us to the Middle Ages? You know, like everybody else, like you're asking the question. I asked that question to myself, too. So, but then he 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 stayed in power like all the other Turkish prime ministers, they all they were all pious, as religious as this President Erdogan was, all the other 26 other prime ministers of Turkey that came to power, they were all as religious. In other words, if any one of them could have switched this secular republic that the U.S. allied with in the 20th century into middle age type of an empire, Islamic empire, any one of those prime ministers could have done it one time or another. But despite their religiousness, you know, belief system and piousness, none of them, everybody became, modernized themselves, adjusted themselves themselves to the uh, Western civilization values, you know, and harmonized it, and they matured themselves. And what I saw in 2002, and I left the government, Turkish government, at the end of 2007 and then i when i revisited uh, you know what's going on with the turkish politics around 2010 or so i noticed that he matured like all the other turkish prime ministers mature means what he's still the same uh, pious person and but now he understood what the modernity is that he never faced until he became prime minister to the degree that he, beca- he faced. And from then on, when this uh, coup d'etat, like the, right now we are facing a takedown attempt against President Trump, he faced a coup d'etat from the same elements, I bet you, that are doing this takedown attempt against President Trump. The same people were in play in Turkey. Uh, they did. They tried a coup d'état in 15 July, uh, July 15, 2016. They failed for the first time. A U.S.-inspired, I call it, coup d'état in Turkey failed because people understood. People said, "We are not going to let these, this disinformation uh, undermine our progressing republic," and that's also the people who are the followers, loyalists, of President Erdogan. They say, hey, we arrived. We are part of this modern Turkish Republic, and we live in the modern ages. It's time to build it, the life like the Western Europeans built, like every other modern country is building, and we're going to compete with every other country that way, up to the sky, not... Uh, you know, expanding the territories. It is not time to, um, it's no longer times of empires, times of republics and building, uh, you know, countries with economic and military dynamics and allied and live in a community of countries, civilized ways. So based on that, all those notions that we hear, who's this man, who's that man, where did he come from? No, he's a simple man, Religious man like any other man, no more or no, no less than any other pious religious person, and he's not here to change anything because he is part of the system. He he defends the system more so than everything else. That's why he waited for Bush 43. You know, he he had issues with Bush 43. He didn't allow him to go to Iraq. Then he. Dealt with Obama, and then he waited two years for President Trump to get over with this Russian collusion farce so that he can talk. If he was anti-America, if he is anti-West, if it is anti anything that we are claiming to be right now, some lots of people, then he will not have waited President Trump for two years. He waited, they talked in Buenos Aires, then they talked in Osaka. And now he's invited to White House, and they're talk. They are making a $100 billion business deal to start with. That's one of the positives, and there's a bunch of others.
1: Well, you also have uh, We as Americans See, where he's making negotiations with Russia at the same time he's talking to us. So the American public is asking, is he double-dealing?
4: Oh, no. Oh, no. It is, you have to ask Obama. Uh, why did he become a president when he didn't know any of the rules of international relations? I mean, uh, when you look at who Obama had in his, as his advisors, you will get these answers. I'm not going to go into that. But the point is, when Obama pulled the troops out of Iraq, John McCain, right, said, don't do that. Don't tell anybody that you're going to pull the troops out. And don't pull the troops out like that in 2014. So he did that. That's a mistake. Then in 2012 or 11, I don't remember now, he drew that red line in Syria. If you are not going to uh, respond uh, to that, uh, you know, penalize them for Bashar al-Assad regime to cross in that red line in Syria, don't, draw a, uh, don't put a red line down there uh, because this is Middle East. The, they, they play this game in the Middle East. You draw a line, they cross it, and they wait you to penalize. You know They, they play the game with blood. But then, uh, in the meantime, Ukraine, the point is the international system penalizes you. We Americans are penalized because of Obama's mistakes. What does that mean? It means that Russia played the game Crimea rightly against obama and then waited its time and when the time came he made his move thanks to the u.s congress and senate when they didn't sell it he approached to turkey to sell some uh, missile system s-400s when obama made the mistake not to sell patriots now obama is in the uh, russia is in the process of selling to turkey SU-57 planes because of our Republican senators are being, uh, you know, are not clear on that and they are not selling F-35s. The point is Russia started to sell things to Turkey. Good. What did we say? This is how you have a leverage on one another. One buys something, the other one sells, and you have a leverage. But on the other hand, when when Obama drew this red line, and then he didn't penalize Bashar al-Assad, what happened? Russian troops came to Syria. They, came, they didn't come in for vacation. They came there for the next 50 years. Now, Russia is there, and Iran you fill the vacuum. I can also go. There is plenty of mess here. Good. There is Iran. There is Russia there in the southern border of Turkey. What should Turkey do at this time? Ignore them. There's two countries. One of them is in the north. One of them is on the east. And Turkey sees them now in Syria, in the southern border. So another front opened up Turkey. So Turkey has to now deal with these two powers. Whether one likes it or not, Turkey has a real issue. It has to deal with Russia and Iran leveraging themselves against Turkey. That's a security issue. Good. Turkey has said, I have to deal with them. In the meantime, he looks at Europe, Angela Merkel, or for that matter, uh, America. Obama was there. Hmm. There's nobody at home. So Turkey has to make a deal with Russia, whether Turkey likes it or not. So Turkey enters into a relationship with Russia, but into equation with Western Europe, because Western Europe is also another player. So in other words, Turkey did not go and said, oh, I'm going to start working with Russia and against America from now on. No, There's no such thing. Turkey looked at the cards that was dealt to him because of Obama administration's mistakes, and then it says, all right, I have to create a new balance of power for me to exist here. What's the balance of power? I have Russia, in Syria now, I have Russia in the north, has always been. I have Western Europe. That's all globalists. You know, there's is helping Turkey. Everybody coming after Turkey. Good. Turkey established a balance of power between European Union, Russia, and Turkey to save its behind. What does that mean? Russia would sell oil. 30% of oil goes from Russia to Europe right now. And then Turkey is going to prevent the Muslim refugees or any refugees coming from Asia or Africa flooding the uh, Western Europe, which two thousand and fifteen we saw one million came suddenly we said we had five radical uh, governments in Western Europe, so based on that, it stabilized it now on the other front, there is an Iran, and what did Obama do on top of it? He gave a planeload of a cash plus nuclear. Sunset clause, so that Iran can become a nuclear power in 10 years. So Turkey said, "What are you doing on top of that? You not only invited with your red line in Syria, uh, Iran, to settle next to Russia in Syria, but now you are making him nuclear power." Well, let me tell you, Turkey said, "I'm going to have a nuclear power before Iran acquires that." So Turkey. Uh, Walk on that path. We are not talking about these things here in the States right now. No one is uh, talking about this. But Turkey is going to become a nuclear power. Mark my word. It's in the book, too. Uh, That before Iran will become a nuclear power because uh, of Obama's decision and all that. So Turkey, in other words, Obama killed the balance of power in the Middle East by offering Iran nuclear sunset clause. And he doesn't know what well, you, he did. You,
1: you, just said you just said something very important, a balance of power. Because there are three yes. pillars to the power that's in the Middle East. And you say there are Iran, yes. Saudi Arabia, and Turkey. Why do you name those
4: three? Well, I am not naming Saudi Arabia as one of the legs, but Iran and Turkey as the two other legs. Saudis represent the Arabs. So there are Arabs, there are Persians which Iranians are, and there are Turks in Turkey. So why are they? Because each one is, uh, there is about 200 million Arabs there living in the Middle East or maybe more. And Persians, with all the Shiites, uh, they, they they go over 100 million, maybe 120, 30 million with all those Yemen and uh, Lebanon and everywhere. And Turks, in Turkey proper, they are, what, about 75, 80 million, but Turkish population is about 140 around the world, uh, mostly in Central Asia. So here you have about uh, close to over a half a billion people living in a condensed area, right, in the Middle East. And these people uh, differ from one another. Oh, oh,
1: what happened? What happened? Tremendous.
4: What what happened?
1: I'm sorry. For some reason, you dropped out for a few seconds. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Oh,
4: no, I'm saying that there is three great, three big populations there, number-wise. One Arabs, one Persians, one Turks. They are, each one is, let's say, about over 100 million or 200 million people. And this makes up a big mass. And these, these three masses have to balance each other in order to create a stability between themselves. After all, there is a 600 million people and they come from three different sources, three different, uh, you know, philosophies and all kinds of stuff. And they, they have, there are tensions if you want to ignite them. So they have to establish a balance of power between them to have a stable area. Now you will say, what about Israel? Well, what about Israel? What do you do with the 10 million people there uh, surrounded by a 600 million people and then there is Another a billion people in Africa, most of them have association with the Middle Eastern than Western Europe. What do you expect this little island to fight against? Not even all the might of US and European might cannot face such a attack. If you unleash more than a billion people uniting. You know, so in other words, uh, you have to put everything, we have to put everything into perspective over there in the Middle East in order to have a stable Middle East so that we don't have a headache in Western Europe. We don't want to lose Western Europe, Christian white West Europe. We want to keep it as best as we can. For that matter, you have to have some stability in the Middle East and no military power. We saw what happened to us in Iraq. We went in there, $7 trillion, 14 years later, we had to leave. What happened in Lebanon to us? We put 300 Marines where we should never have put them, and we lost 241 of them with one bomb or two bombs, and we left Lebanon since 1970s. And that means we lost Lebanon, we lost Iraq, Carter lost Iran, We lost Syria. We are just pushed out. We are out of the Middle East. How does it help us that the messy area, the divide and conquer, you know, divide and conquer was a policy of British. Look what happened to Britain. It doesn't exist. No one talks about Britain anymore. It's been dismembered further and further. So the point is, those policies, those ideologies worked in the centuries they, are, they belong to the earth centuries. We live now in the 21st century. The wars are made with cyberspace, and the cyber and space wars. That's what we are making. Cyber wars, 2016. We're going to have 2020. That's natural. We're going to have it more of them. But in the meantime, we have to continue, you know, working with each other because demographics of the world is going to increase against the Christian white West. There will be two billion more people from Asia and Africa coming into the world. Now, these people have to be handled. You cannot bomb them to finish them off. You cannot do anything else with them. You have to handle them. You have to regulate them. You have to deal with them, feed them, interact with them. So that's what President Trump is doing. Why President Trump is talking to a Turkish leader, Muslim leader? He's smart. He says, hey, I have to deal with these Muslims, and why don't I deal with the right Muslim leaders who can help me control the world population?
1: Well, you know, what I find interesting, there's a recent uh, poll out of Israel, a public opinion poll, and out of the Israelis, they favor a working relationship with Turkey, and this is an amazing number, 53
4: to 32%. Of
1: course. Now, what would happen to Israel should Turkey walk away from the West?
4: What would happen to Turkey should one No, no, more time Israel. the question, Please. Yes. What would happen to, what will happen to Israel
1: should if they walk if Turkey walks away from the West?
4: Oh, Israel finishes. You won't have Israel. If Turkey walks away, I mean, Turkey will never walk away from the West. Why? I say it because I come from them. You know, I understand, like you made the point initially. Turkey is going to stay with the Western world. So, President Trump knows that. This is how, this is the wisdom and vision of President Trump that if people can stop for a second watching this nonsense television in the US and think what President Trump is they will find out that this this is a good American. It's an American that understands the rest of the world. Point is, Israel cannot exist if Turkey is not part of the Western alliance. Cannot exist. Why? Because Turkey has to take care of itself if it is not part of the Western alliance. What does that mean? The first thing means Turkey has to become a nuclear state which I'm telling you it will become a nuclear state because of Obama and all that thing. So that's already triggered. So that's not the issue. The issue is uh, independent Turkey will be uh, a nuclear state. Along with that, Iran and Arabs will be nuclear states. When there is three nuclear Muslim states in the Middle East, how do you expect the fourth nuclear state, which is Israel, to exist? It, it doesn't, you know, whichever way. I am a game theorist. I study games of theorists. And, um, you know, my professor was Stephen Brahms, and he's, he's the one who wrote the med theory and all that. And he asked me to do PhD with him. I said, no, nope, I'm not doing PhD because I, you go to the PhD with the, on these things. I have better things to do. I went to the closet <laughs> and I came out. When President Trump came uh, Came uh, down the stairs, declare himself because that's when I said, "Hey, now I have him as the president. Now I can go out and uh, talk about these things that I couldn't talk in, in America because it is too liberal. Uh, now you need a, you know, you, you, now, now I find a way to talk about it. You know, why didn't I talk up until now? Why did I write the book now?" Because I now say that we can we can talk about these things. The reality is what we haven't talked in the last twenty four years altogether. We lost it, but uh, Israel well, is not noticed, without Turkey.
1: Well, I noticed something when um, uh, uh, Aradine was speaking with uh, Trump and the uh, the presser that they did. He on numerous occasions did not call them. Terrorist or ISIL or ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Taliban, he called them by the correct name, the Daesh, which they hate. So I I looked at that. That was a strong message being sent to these Islamic jihadists out there that he's taking a specific stance. And to to us as Americans, we may miss that point, but to those in the Middle East and the Arab world, it sent a very strong message.
4: Yes, but you have to understand today in America, there is a disinformation. I mean, there, there is no information that you can rely on what's going on. If somebody uh, were to listen what President Erdogan says, he, he talks all the time uh, when he talks about uh, half an hour conversations that he makes speeches like any other president, right? And if one listens to him, what he says, uh, without bias, you know, if you think it objectively, you will say, hold on a second, he's making an energy point, like energy issue of the world. The next problem is Eastern Mediterranean energy war. So he's going to talk about nuclear armaments, why Turkey should have nuclear arms and will have it and all that stuff. you know when he when you listen to him in 10 different topics uh, that he's in in half an hour you will just say was this a us president that just talked or was this a person that we don't want to have anything to do with from some muslim country no that was a from a muslim country but what he talks what he would be you will be hearing as american what we will be hearing is common sense, and the common sense is is what America is built on, was at least until the, the globalists came and messed it up. But the common sense—that's made this country go to the moon. So Turkey today, whether it is Erdogan, whether it's the first founder Ataturk, or any between twenty-five other prime ministers came before. Uh, the thing, uh, they solve uh, they have common sense and based on this common sense Turkey says hey these guys are terrorists whether they are uh, Kurds right now US soldiers are talking and walking with like if they are the freedom fighters they are terrorists or whether somebody left their home in Germany UK and France came to Syria and took a Kalashnikov and start killing people they are terrorists they are Daesh they are whatever they are anybody who kills somebody else a human being kills another human being that human being is another category now you cannot take life that is not for you to take in this life so that's what we call terrorists and these people have killed people they ethnic cleanse people today Ooh. these people that Daesh that Erdogan calls them and then the Kurds who are associated with the unfortunately with the U.S. troops they are the ones who cleansed their own brethren, Kurds cleans Kurds 350,000 of them from northern Syria they are the ones who push them out that's why they are waiting for the Turkish soldiers to come and create the safe zone so they can go t- back to their home. I mean, these things are never mentioned. No one pays attention. But this is a simple reality. And there is a common sense. When you look at it from common sense perspective, what Erdogan is saying, you'll just say, hey, maybe you should become a president of the U.S. because he is making sense as exactly like Trump would make sense or he won't make sense like Trump President Trump will not make sense in the atmosphere that we are living in. So in other words, there's a split of the world right now.
1: Well, Bill, you've got a great book out there. I'm looking forward to reading it when it's released. I believe it's January 20th of this year. People can get it up on Amazon or go to your website, which is your name, Urbel Ganasti. Bill, it has been a pleasure. There's so much more to delve into this. This is such a complicated issue. We haven't even discussed who are the Kurds and why are are they trying to make a nation for a nation that never existed. But I've got my next guest up in the bullpen. It has been so much fun talking to you and I will be speaking with you and, uh, and you have a blessed day. Thank you for the hard work you do. The book is called game changer. God bless.
4: Thank you very much. I I appreciate that. Thank you very much. God bless you too. Take care.
1: All right, um, we have up here, and if the person in area code 863 is one of our guests, please press 1 so that I know that your hand is up in the, in the studio switchboard. Uh, but we have with us Royal and Glenda, and I, I've got to make sure I get this correct because I keep on switching the names back around in my dumb head. It's Royal Brown and Glenda White. Brown and white. I love that. <laughs> you call yourself? Yes, we're hands. the hands. Good afternoon. <laughs> yes, good <laughs> afternoon.
6: Hey, hi, no. Royal.
1: Now, I don't know if that's your husband on the other line. Is it yes or no? Are you both on the same line?
8: Yeah, we are. We're both on our own cell phones. Should we get a little further from each
1: other? Uh, well, I'm getting a little bit of a feedback between the two of you, so that that would be good. Anyway. that matter? You're here. Yes, it is. Thank you. Uh, You're here. You're with the Winter Haven 912. You're also with your county GOP. But the two of you are hitting on an issue. We touched on this earlier with one of our previous guests, uh, Jesse Jane Duff, about the assault on our Second Amendment rights. And, of course, the nation, you hear people. We just had a horrific shooting out in the L.A. area uh, just yesterday where two young students died. And every time something like this happens, you hear the people screaming, gun control, red flag laws. And it drives me crazy because I've always said, and Curtis will say, yes, she has, the only answer to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That's correct. And is Royal with us? Yeah, yeah I need hang to on. back in. He
8: might still have his all phone right.
1: on mute Hold on, I told him to put his phone on mute
8: <laughs> This is our first time
1: doing this <laughs> Hang on a second <laughs> Folks, this is library radio You never know what's going to happen <laughs> all right I mess up all the time, put, don't worry in I've in been ultimation. doing this
6: now going on <laughs> 10 years Yeah, put him in another room Yeah, Royal Okay, okay. i I'm 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 okay.
5: There
1: we go <laughs> Okay, we'll get it together <laughs> We'll
2: on the throne.
5: <laughs>
2: I was just saying that most of these shootings have occurred in gun-free zones. If there was, something oh, yeah. if there was a law-abiding citizen present with a gun to uh, stop these killers, uh, there'd be a lot less of a death toll in most of these cases.
1: You know, it, it's funny because it's it gotten to the point where uh, kids are being penalized for doing what every law-abiding system, system, uh, citizen has the right to do. Here in my own school district, the other day the kid had been out hunting in the morning, put the gun on the rack, got about it, went to school, and the next thing you know, another student's going, hey, this guy has a gun in the gun rack in his, in his vehicle. And the kid is now, could possibly be facing criminal charges now, growing up, you you guys are approximately the same age as I am. This was a natural thing for us to do. Who, who ever thought about it? You put the rifle up make sure it's unloaded. Yeah. Leave it in the gun well, rack. Lock the car up. And no one well, bothers. Well, we've you.
8: had a we've had an eight year old child whose parents now had their weapons seized because the child uh, says them. So he basically had the RPO set out to him but because it was to him and he lived with his parents all of their guns were seized so the child the child made a threat or something in school and uh, the weapons parents uh, the parents weapons ended up getting seized uh, child, another kid was the, the child was gun. the one served with the rpo risk protection order but he, since and he lived in his parents home Right. That that means all weapons and all things attached to the weapons have to be seized. Since he was a child and lived with his parents, his parents were the ones that got their weapons seized.
5: That happened here, I think, last month. That's crazy. There was
1: a case in California, and I think it was about five or six years ago, and I discussed it on the show here about five or six years ago. There was a woman that was taking Paxil. She was depressed. She wasn't violent. She wasn't threatening everyone. She was not suicidal. She was just having some personal issues, and she felt a little down in the dumps. Just a simple medication of Paxil. I mean, I had a bad car accident, and because I was in so much pain, which was making me edgy, the doctor gave me Paxil one time. You know, I'm not on it now, mm-hmm. so if the if the NSA is listening in, no, I haven't taken it in more than 20 years. <laughs> right. But they went into they went into her home because her husband had guns. They were locked in a safe, mm-hmm. but they came with a warrant to seize all of his weapons that were not in her control yes. because she was on Paxil. That's how crazy these laws are. Yeah, and plus the the factor that,
8: that they uh, violate flagrantly so many constitutional rights is frightening but but to me personally the most frightening thing about this is how little people know about this I I am shocked when we mention RPO people are asking me what's that what's the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act they don't know even even legislators well,
1: no if, if if people who are listening don't have no idea what an RPO is it's called a risk protection order, also known as the Red Flag Law. Uh, Mm -hmm. So basically, a family member, or even a neighbor of yours, or an ex-girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, can say, well, that person is a danger. There's no facts to back it up, just a supposition. Mm -hmm. That person goes before a judge in a civil court, and sometimes these judges have a 99% hand out the warrant, uh, because one mm-hmm. individual on there says so. So technically anyone listening to this who disagrees with me can go to a judge yes. and say, this woman's a whack job. I heard her make some threats. And I can yep. have my weapons taken away without prior knowledge, without facing my accuser, without any defense in that court when the judge issues yes. a warrant, without any fact-based evidence. Not a hearsay. So yes, Back Back yeah. So the first evidence. violation is of your,
8: yeah. The first violation is of your Second Amendment. The second violation is of your due process rights, and the third, I don't know if you even realize, is First Amendment. Why? Because political entities, if they can, if they can get the power that they want in Florida right now, it it requires law enforcement to ask the judge for it, but. Uh, Forces are right now attempting to get that made into anybody can approach a judge and ask them uh to issue the RPO. So basically, if they don't like what you say, they can take it they can take it to a judge. This person is a threat, they believe weird stuff, uh, they believe in the Second Amendment, therefore they're a threat. And if the judge happens to be a lib, well, He just might agree with them.
6: Glenda, Mr. CS. Yes, sir. Do you think this is a a part of a larger scheme to confiscate all of our our guns by just having anybody come up, any liberal, you know, reporting that, hey, that Republican neighbor of mine, he has weapons and I think he's exactly well do
8: you think the grass is green? (laughs) You think the sky is blue? It absolutely is. (laughs) A full-on oh, yeah. attempt to take away Second Amendment rights. It abs- Absolutely it is.
2: If I could uh, well, you, come I... in here. If I could Go break ahead. in here. Ahead, um, it's more than just, as Linda said, it's more than just the Second Amendment rights are being violated uh, with this Senate Bill 7026, the Margaret Stillman-Douglas Public Safety Act. It's also our 5th and 14th amendment rights for due process and as glenda was just saying it can also result in uh, violating our first amendment rights uh, especially if the uh, florida senate under bill galvano or joe galvano whatever his first name is i think it's bill they are proceeding right now to work with the FDLE to identify uh, Hate speech Well you know hate speech Is still covered under the first amendment And uh, What Someone has to say about let's say Islam maybe they have a problem With it Uh, Is that hate speech I don't think so But According to care It is yeah exactly So any number Of uh, things that you Might say could lead to you uh, being issued a risk protection order, and in our well, view, now, a I'm judge, a judge should not be making decisions to seize property based on what might happen in the future, because that opens some very dangerous avenues to ignore our rights, and that's exactly what the RPO does. Uh, well, that, I'm,
1: I'm holding up before the ca- I'm holding up before the camera on uh, Facebook. Two different uh, pocket constitutions The blue one I've been carrying around And unfortunately it's gotten so very dog-eared I can't do it anymore Since 1976 I've had it in my purse I've always had a pocket constitution in my purse Since 1976 So that if people can understand How the First Amendment is being violated um, If they remember There's five parts to the First Amendment Which covers religion Speech Press Assembly and the ability to petition the government. So if we mm-hmm. say something and someone posts something up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever, showing themselves with a gun or making this little hand gesture like a gun, someone can take offense to that, go to a judge, and then get an RPO. If you believe in a religion that feels that you should be able to defend yourself and so arm yourself, someone who does not believe in your religion... Can then go petition the judge for an RPO. If you turn around and you are given an RPO, your ability to seek redress from the government for grievances before the RPO was even served is now violated. Three sections of the First That's Amendment right. have been violated by these red flag laws.
2: That's correct. Well,
8: and,
1: and, and you should also
8: know that politicians will use if they get the power to do this, politicians will use this ability. We've, we have already had a shadow threat from our own congressman, the nine twelve has, because we show up to – well, we were showing He holds his town halls now on Thursday evenings because that's the, the evening we meet, so we won't attend his town halls anymore. His name is Darren Soto. He's Florida District 9. We were attending his town halls all through the first of the year, and um, I, in particular, was uh, asking him to sign a discharge petition for the Born Alive Act, which would force it to the floor of the House if they get enough votes. He did not want to sign it. Um, so, and he was very embarrassed when I would uh, speak out in a town hall and ask him, hand him a handful of petitions that had been signed, asking him to sign off on this discharge petition. Um, it was very embarrassing to him. People were asking questions, and they didn't like it. And all of a sudden, in May, he becomes the guest uh, column writer for the Lakeland Ledger and names us in the paper and says these people have been hostile. Yeah, hostile in his townhouse. We've never been hostile, not even once. And and But that right there is a shadow threat. Now, if, if a congressperson or some other elected person calls up the sheriff, or calls up the judge and says, this person is a threat, and I say, no, I'm not, who do you think the judge is going to listen to? Not you. Absolutely not Not you. No, it won't be me. It will be the politician. He has, that person has more money and more influence. It will be the politician. And that that is how they can
2: keep us quiet. It turns on its head. Uh, We we, live under, we have lived under the principle for a long time, a principle of law, that a person is innocent until proven guilty. Under this risk protection law, they turn it upside down. You're considered guilty until you prove to the judge that you're not a threat. Uh, you don't, You're not entitled to a lawyer. The hearing that you go to is within two weeks after the seizure of your property. Uh, that is not due process, and the, the law enforcement agency that issues the petition, they, they get to bring their attorney into the hearing. If you want an attorney, you're going to have to go out and hire one uh, and go through the expense of doing that, and you have to prove that, hey, I'm not a threat to myself, and I'm not a threat to anybody else uh, in that hearing. But all at your ex- own expense on your
8: own yeah. time. Yeah. Whatever work you miss, whatever you have to deal with as a result of going through all this, they have no uh recourse or you have no recourse to be reimbursed. They do not have to recompense you for anything, even if you have you're wrongly seized. They they do not have to recompense you anything. And the and yeah, one, yeah. their lawyers Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and ask him.
6: Oh, well, I was just going to say, um, with myself being a veteran and royal, a veteran. you Glenn, know,
1: And we, Glenda. And Glenda. Yeah, Don't forget and her. Glenda. God bless you for your
6: service. There you go. And, you know, as veterans, we have gone to other countries to protect their rights and their liberties. And it's just so strange that we have to come home and fight just as much for the rights we we have you know that's etched in stone in the constitution and and just plain natural rights and I, I found it very offensive during the Obama administration when they were going after you know veterans you know in other words, if you had p s t you know p t s d or something like that they they were working on a way that they could confiscate your guns you know to Doctors off, you know, visits, yeah. office visits,
8: mental health by, you know, through mental answers. health services.
6: Yeah. Do you have weapons? Yeah. I think that was part yeah. of the question. Is, there
8: was a uh, there was a statistic uh, that came out at, uh, uh, just after 2015 that over 250 thousand veterans had
1: already had their weapons seized because of this. Exactly, and we did a, wow. several shows on this issue with the VA because it wasn't on a doctor's note. Some clerk in the back room who may be pissed off at you because you pushed to get an appointment or they just didn't like you, a clerk That's right. would make a notation in your jacket, and then someone would turn around, hand that over to law enforcement. Next thing you know, the veteran has a knock on the door, and you turn over your guns. If you refuse to do that, then you will lose all of your VA benefits.
2: So you have a That's choice. Correct.
1: Keep your benefits or give us your guns.
2: Yes, so they do this through the ATF. The ATF is the one that shows up at your door. If you have been uh, identified by the VA as mentally incompetent for whatever reason, Uh, they coordinate that with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and they send federal agents out to your residence to seize all your weapons, all your ammunition, uh, and anything else, any other uh, accoutrements to those, to that property. And that's just wrong.
1: Well, this comes up to the Fourth Amendment, search and seizure. The right of the people to that's be right. secure in their persons, doesn't say you know, anything, persons, houses, papers, and effects, that includes your gun, against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated mm-hmm. and no warrants shall be issued but upon probable cause. There's no probable cause. It's supported by oath right. or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons with things to be seized. So probable cause does not exist, and the issues are not warranted no. upon probable cause, and oath and affirmation on what? Hearsay?
8: Correct. Yeah, yeah now here in here in Polk County... Um, our sheriff uh, was behind the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act because he uh, created a program called the Guardian Program, which is, is being implemented in schools throughout Florida. It's actually a good program. However, uh, he told us openly that he was for it because he wanted the Guardian Program and stated, and he has now made over 400, well, I guess he's getting close to, isn't it, Royal, 400 RPOs, and he yeah. swears... That these were truly needed for the most part. I think I think from the statistics we're able to obtain, it was about five percent of those were wrong seizures. Uh, however, he swears that these seizures were seriously needed and that there was ample evidence. Um, every every sheriff is supposed to have a written policy in place how they're going to conduct RPOs as of. January 1st, 2019. I don't know that a lot of them have done it, but uh, uh, our sheriff has done it. And um, he now, what, makes sure – go ahead. What's the Guardian Program? The Guardian Program is basically a uh, a way that school kids are physically protected. So that means they have somebody armed on campus. They, they left but it, it but open –
2: the the sentinel program or guardian program requires that every school have either an armed uh, resource officer who is a law enforcement officer or a trained armed security guard. And that's every school, elementary, middle school, and high school. Uh, And we are certainly not opposed to that program. In fact, it's been extended now. It's been stretched out to where if, the superintendent of schools and the sheriff together agree, uh, teachers can now be armed in Florida. Uh, trained teachers, trained schools. Right, train school right. And, the, and
8: these, yeah, and these and we're people who are there. who yeah. are allowed to carry, yeah, the people who are allowed to carry are better trained than our sheriff's deputies in the use of their weapons. They, we are for it. He, Royal is correct. We are behind this 100%. Um, when people called for volunteers to step up, they were overwhelmed. When uh, Now, our, our school superintendent has chosen not to do volunteers. She has chosen another path. Uh, however, those who are asking for volunteers to man their schools are getting overwhelmed. Well, there are people coming out of the woodwork wanting to help. That?
1: Glenda, send me information. Um, email me if you can tonight because I've got my school guardian. superintendent coming to my my school superintendent okay. is coming to our tea party meeting on Monday, and they just okay. passed a bond referendum where school security was part of the bond referendum. I'd like to present mm-hmm. him with something like this.
8: It's
2: the law.
1: With the
8: guardian the
2: law.
1: yeah, they the,
8: the yeah SDC they actually have it.
2: Yeah, it is in it's stated yeah. in law. That's, and, that's uh, why they have him.
1: it. Is this oh, Is this
5: nationwide?
2: Guardian Program,
8: not? yeah, having armed personnel in each school now is a requirement. The The problem is that uh, school superintendents are given a wide berth in how they're going to conduct it. So if I were you, I would uh, contact the school superintendent and ask him to provide you a copy
5: yeah, of
8: what school security looks like and how they're dealing with uh uh, having armed personnel in their schools And get that before well, he gets there be on, So you can gonna, question him
1: He's going to be on the hot seat Monday night I'll tell you that Yeah, <laughs>
8: yeah. I would of, I would get that Information beforehand so you can get, You know, question him on
2: this Because
8: they're well, given a wide
2: berth In how they can do this You can, you can cite SB 7026 And SB 7030 Most yes. Florida That's laws right. uh, That that well, require that's, at
1: least that's Florida, law, but I'm, I'm, asking, cool. Pardon me? I'm asking if it's, this is, I was asking if this was federal law or is it just Florida, Florida law? No, no. This State of Florida, Florida law. That's State why I'm asking if you can send it because I'm in South Carolina. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't think oh,
5: that. oh
1: okay. Well, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> we will send you a copy of,
8: we'll send you a copy of the SB 7026. And we'll also send you a copy of our sheriff's RPO policy, how he's doing it. And then, um, Royal, can we find some information on the Guardian program
1: specifically?
2: Well, it's all in SB 7026 with the Florida law. Florida is the first, is the only red state in the country to have a red flag law. The other 16 states are all blue states. So to our chain, we're we're the first ones. Uh, to implement this. And again, we're not we're not uh against the Guardian program, which is part of the Florida law. Uh but we are against this risk protection order big time. Right. Because of the fact that it ignores due process yes. and it also Ignores yes. the Second Amendment because our our law now has uh limits age as an age restriction. Anybody eighteen to twenty years old cannot own or possess a long gun now under this law So that's a clear right. violation yeah. of the Second Amendment Yeah,
8: I and I did see a, a headline today When I was going through my email That uh, Representative Sabatini down here Has uh, introduced a law that would restore the rights Of gun owners from 18 to 20 uh, In full, except for college carry Which is another one we've been trying unsuccessfully to get Past because we've had several college uh, shootings And then, of course, there's the famous uh, Ted Bundy murders in the 70s, I guess it was But uh, we have a lot of college campuses down here And we have a lot of kids who are walking around unprotected Especially a lot of females And uh, they get targeted quite often, I'm afraid And uh, college <laughs> colleges do
1: not like to release their crime statistics because of it no, they don't. It's kinda of bad for the tuition coming in and uh, their patients
5: yes, and uh, exactly. Little yes. things that come Exactly. Yeah. That's
8: exactly right. That's exactly right. But there are um there are a number of problems with the RPO and what we have been doing is is talking to people we're talking to everybody who will listen. We were recently up in Tallahassee talking to legislators and we are seeing some hope. We have a a representative in District 1, his name is Mike Hill, and uh, he yes, has you know uh, filed. You know Mike? So are you familiar oh, with Mike's the, uh, the bill he filed? Yeah, or if you're not familiar with the bill he has filed to repeal the RPO and just remove it from the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas law, uh, I would get a copy of it. It's a good piece of legislation. He has been totally ostracized because of it. Um, unfortunately, we have a lot of rhinos in Tallahassee, and um, we're it's going to be an uphill battle. But I think people are starting to hear our voices up there. It, it looks like they're trying to do something. So well, I don't, I don't exactly know if any. Go ahead.
1: I was going the last time Mike was on here, he did talk about his law, uh, the red uh, taking that part out. It was House Bill 175, and yeah, we did have a yes. good. Long conversation about Mike. We love him. <laughs> he's come in. Oh, was he's was awesome. Put co-host, and he co-hosted with me. So, <laughs> Mike's oh, is, is awesome. Of the show.
8: He's, he's actually coming to the, to speak to the nine twelve in January. We can't wait. He's awesome. Um, but Absolutely. but yeah, Royal and I have just really picked this up as a cause, and and we're starting. We're actually doing a a gun forum here at the nine twelve on eleven twenty three, and we're trying to get the word out. To as many people as possible, and uh, John Hallman, who we've been working with, uh, a lobbyist in Tallahassee, is is uh, joining us on that. We're working directly with him, and um, we're going to try and get a series of these gun forums going. So we are spreading the word as much as we can. But I, people, people really need to know about this. And and you're right. Every time a shooting occurs, that's the first thing. They don't even take an hour. To to start uh, screaming gun control anymore. They're not. They don't have any shame. They don't have a soul left.
1: No, no. And the first thing they do to the populace, they uh, disarm the veterans. Then they first they disarm yes. the senior citizens. Then the veterans, and then they go for everyone else. And right now, well, and I want so to you know what?
8: Go ahead. I, I really want to make a. I meant to make a point about veterans when. Uh, when uh, Curtis was discussing the, the problem with veterans, there is one thing that really, really has occurred to me when I saw all this activity going on with veterans. They are the first people who will defend this nation from a tyrannical government because they have they have offered and spilled their blood. They And, and I think the government would very much like to get guns out of their hands before anybody else because they will defend the nation. And I mean against a tyrannical government. I know why as
1: we said, you know the, the the VA has already gone after the veterans, uh through, you know, yep. like I said, a clerk making a, a notation. Uh we've seen it where senior citizens. Uh you use bill pay so you're not physically sitting down and writing your checks at the end of the month. Well that means you're not you're not responsible for yourself. We've actually seen someone mm-hmm. use that as a reason to control not just take the guns away, but to control that individual's bank accounts, where they weren't even mm-hmm. seeing their check come in. So you know there, there, there's multiple ways in which they can attack us on the on us, unless we are alert like you are, like this show is, we will know about it. I agree. And, you know, you have – you sent me so many documents. I couldn't go through all of them, but I took out <laughs> the ones that uh, – I mean, I, I looked at this list and I'm going, oh, God, do I have enough time to the end of the year to
5: finish <laughs> reading this stuff?
8: Oh, man, but we, have rest- been, we have been writing and going to town halls, screaming at legislators. We have just been all over this since it passed in 2018. Both of us are just all over this. I don't. I don't know where Royal went, but he has done immense amounts of writing on this.
1: Yeah, and are you, there, you sent me a copy. Of letter. Uh, you sent me a copy that was sent to your uh, Republican representatives, which you sent back back in uh, September, and you know you all had took the time to put your full titles and signature on it. You should not be right. ashamed to write to your re- mm-hmm. legislator. Matter of fact. Mm-mm. My I used to have Mark Sanford as my representative uh, Thank God he dropped out of the presidential race A little sanity there, Mark <laughs> uh, But now it's Joe Beer Can Cunningham And yeah, I, I have no qualms about making my voice heard to him But always do no. it in a polite and respectful manner And you'll get a response That's right. And maybe we open the dialogue, right. which is what you guys have done Right Yeah, And Linda. and this last Yes, sir
6: Oh, I was just going to say, where where does the governor stand on all of this? And I'm talking about Ron DeSantis. Uh, has he been helpful yes, DeSantis, to you?
8: He has not uh, really been involved with this issue vocally. Um, he is a Second Amendment guy. Uh, uh, however, I haven't seen him take a real stand on this, and I do believe because uh, – Joe Gruters, uh, Bill Galvano, all the top people up in Tallahassee are taking money from uh, gun control people, a lot of money, and uh, asked, And it is a hot topic right now. He, he's got a, an office to run. I think it's about politics up there, and I think the only way that this is going to get resolved is if people start screaming about it. People are going to have to get angry. Uh, it was an, an emotional and, and like I said at the very beginning uh, A lot of people are not aware of this They do not know what's going on They do not know what an RPO is They don't even know about the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas law And I I don't know how that happened But uh, it seems to me The media or whoever just kept it quiet I don't know how they did it But but Royal and I are very involved And we're very aware of, of Stuff like this when it happens And we we just do our research and and uh, write, speak, scream, stand on street corners, whatever, and and uh, that is how people are finding out, but unfortunately, it's been very slow to get around, and my fear is that it's going to get normalized, and then um, it's just going to be entrenched in our law, and nobody's ever going to do anything about it until it's too late or try to do anything about it, and that's it. We lose our rights,
6: and well, Lord goes you blue, know. whatever. Annie is um, prior on law enforcement, so you got her back in 100%. All
5: right. Well,
8: listen, I just hope South Carolina stays bright crimson red, and you guys, yeah, start having some influence down here in Florida, especially up around the Tallahassee area. My God, man. Last year we we came within 1% of being a socialist-led state.
6: Yeah, we did. (laughs) Yeah. Gillian. Very Gillian scary.
1: Very scary. Well, we've got a great GOP chair, Drew McKissick, who happens to be a friend of mine. I love that man. He has helped turn around the GOP here in South Carolina, where it was sort of like establishment moderate, and he's brought it back over to the conservative side. And we had his vice chair at our GOP meeting just earlier this week. And believe it or not, she's got the same cowboy boots I have. They're red, white, and blue with stars on them. <laughs> and I'm
5: looking at her. Wow. She's got the same wow, you've got to send a uh,
1: picture and, of those. <laughs> oh, but what they did was they took our Republican um, platform, which she said was something like 10,000 words. And I'm holding up to the camera. A little card, an index card, and they reduced it to a small booklet and also to an index card that you can just carry around with you because it was so wordy, so weldy, but no one knew what we stood for. And they said, no, these are the Mm -hmm. principles. And the vice chair is traveling around the entire state going from group to group explaining what the Republican principles are, what we're fighting for. And this is what Republican parties, of course, the nation have to do to take our country Back to its conservative roots. That's my rant
8: Outstanding. (laughs) Outstanding. Keep ranting. Well, we actually joined our our REC last year because they uh, put in place a very conservative board. And we are now quite active with them. And then um, when I first started conversing with Curtis... Um, and found out what he had done up in his county. Up,
6: there. I guess it's yeah, your Putnam. former
8: county. Is that right? Turned it from no, helped no, turned I'm... it from blue to red.
6: Oh, I'm still in. Is Putnam. that right? I just did a show from my Are laptop you? here.
8: It was Putnam County. Yeah, so I'm like, well I need to get lessons from him. Yeah.
6: Oh
5: yeah. <laughs> what, so, what I yeah.
1: preach to my tea party all the time is I tell them politics is local. You got to pay attention to what's on the local yes. level, and. If you don't Absolutely. like what you see, what the Republican Party is doing, then get involved, become a member, go to the meetings. And when and I turn became them back the precinct, um, yeah. yeah, when I became the precinct chairperson for for where I am here in South Carolina, I had a friend of mine who helped found our Buford Tea Party, asked me why I wanted to become active. And I said, I want to take back the Republican Party. And oh, my Mm -hmm. goodness, thank God she's a good friend of mine. But she started to chew me out. And I says, no, you forgot your roots. We've got to get involved and take it back to what our intent was. That's right.
8: That's right. And one thing that we have done down here is we, uh, well, uh, we put together this uh, voter value card in 2018. It was pretty basic. But I'll tell you what. People were going crazy over them, so we did a a little bit more involved one this year, and we based it on uh, the platform of the Republican Party. So on one side you assess your your own values, and on the other side you flip, and if you believe in this, vote Republican. If you believe in that, vote Democrat. And you cannot believe the effect it's having. It's amazing these these things. Because oh. it just takes a minute, you know, for people to sit there and see yeah, what. Yeah. The government doesn't get to take my guns, you know. Yeah, and then they flip it over and they they say, "What? Democrats are for taking guns? What? Because they don't know. People do not know. It's amazing to me. So I, I just think the more people are educated, the more conservative they become. I think that's really the truth.
1: Well, Glenda, send that to me also because I'd love to use it around here and even present it to our state chair. Uh, and see if he wants to do something like that cuz we're going to be going heavy Well, I will, I will out.
8: send it and I'll t- I'll I'll send it and I'll tell you this right now. Um I authored it. It is free to use. You use it and you just flip people from blue to red. That's all I care about. That's all I care oh, God about. Bless. Um, Royal and I Royal and I are both veterans and we both believe that what we're doing right now is our last duty to our nation as veterans. Oh, Absolutely.
1: What well, we're we're running down to our last five minutes. And th- when I was asked, when Mark Sanford was running for Congress back in 2012, I was asked by Amy Kramer to introduce him. I was there with no makeup, blue jeans, not expecting to speak to the crowd <laughs> on camera. I had the, they had the news media all over the place. I had microphones and cameras shoved in my face. And I finished off with saying this thing by Dante. And I said, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in times of moral crisis, maintain their neutrality. We cannot be silent mm-hmm. no longer. The silent majority has found its voice, and we're coming for you.
8: I agree wholeheartedly. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I believe you're absolutely correct.
1: We're at in well, a
5: war. <laughs>
8: Say that again, We
2: are. So we're engaged in a cultural war that we
5: have
1: oh, to win. Culturally. That's
5: right. Oh yeah.
2: That's right. Absolutely. Well,
1: people can find you at wh 912 dot org. Thank you for joining us. I, I'm going to tell Curtis Thank to take you, you back on the show us. a lot more often. There's so many more subjects to talk Whenever about. Whenever you but want us talk to.
8: About the only night we the can't do night. it is Thursday nights.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only day we go got to <laughs> That's what Fridays. we mean. That's not got problem. Fridays are the only days. Well, thank you for having us. You guys are awesome. Yes, thank you very much. And thank you, Royal. God bless. God bless, y'all. Y'all
6: take care. All
1: right. And uh, Curtis, just a quick note before we exit out of here. Uh, On Friday, we're going to have former Congressman Tom Tancredo. Uh, We're going to have congressional candidate Nicole Miotakis, who's running out of Staten Island. Uh, Burgess Owens will be joining us, and Kim Clack, who's running candidate. for that um, uh, Kim Clack is running for that seat out of Maryland. So we have a great show lined up next week, and come the actually we will be on air the day after Thanksgiving because I've got guests just lining up at the door waiting to come in. I want to thank everyone that has joined us today, and we will be back <clears throat> next Friday, Curtis, same time, same bat station. Until then, I say good night and God bless.
6: <clears throat> I'll take care up there.
3: I'm praying for this land, I love. America. America the home will be free, but there are people making plans to change America, they've no respect for her, what matters most to me, that's why I stand for the plan, and I kneel at the cross. The friends of his love and us. And as we we got